Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And meanwhile, people desperate to get away for a week or two and take in a sun holiday, whether it was the cancelled two-week flight out of Cork Airport on Saturday or the mayhem and the chaos at Dublin Airport yet again. Uh, front page of the mirror today, air rage. Hundreds of angry travellers missing flights due to huge queues. Actually, it's over a thousand at least uh, from Dublin Airport and the chaos there, the large queues forming. And it's no longer just inside a terminal anymore. Yesterday, it was snaking outside the terminal all the way back and forth, back and forth with people waiting hours and hours and hours. Uh, more on that throughout the course of the morning. But why? Unfortunately, it seems as if they're blaming passengers for turning up too early. Can you believe it? Uh, calls now being made for the management at Dublin Airport to resign, according to the Mirror today. And they're even saying that they expect it to... Uh, what wording did they use again? We sincerely apologise for the obvious frustration and inconvenience this may cause. But the delays didn't stop there. There was crowds and crowds of people still queuing outside the airport terminal building uh, even hours after the announcement of uh, of delays and apologies and what have you. They're even saying, and this is according to Kevin Conan, that they accepted that this coming uh, weekend will be even busier for the airport. I'm talking about the bank holiday weekend. Um, more on that in, in a few minutes' time, but all of the papers are talking about it. They're unable to say how many people missed their flights due to chaos, uh, but we're saying that it was at least a 1,000, perhaps more. Of course, we also had the TUI flight out of Cork Airport absolutely, uh, totally and utterly cancelled. Uh, papers don't pick up on that as much. Not the nationals anyway, they're just honing in on Dublin Airport. I see a lot of people, even pals of mine, uh, some of them involved in hospitality, uh, are telling me that it would have made an awful lot more sense now if they sat down and decided, why don't we use Cork Airport? Why don't we use Shannon Airport to take some of the pressure off Dublin Airport? So the airport, or airport now will have to give refunds to passengers who missed their flights out of Dublin, obviously, because the flights took off with people not on board. And the Echo actually has that with uh, the new, the, uh, new uh, Cork Business Association President Kevin O'Hurley making the Echo. He's saying that uh, Cork and other regional airports should be used to deal with the um, you know, the lengthy queues being caused to Dublin Airport. Uh, that would be Cork, Shannon, Farman 4, things like that. Uh, another story that's of interest, actually, is from the Sun yesterday, when you're talking about travelling, uh, where apparently um, some workers within the Passport Office network have been suspended because of allegations of taking payments to fast-track passport applications. So these would be bones um, the allegation is that cash bones were given to some members of staff to speed up uh, passport applications. And on that basis now, they've been suspended pending an investigation. Of course, Liverpool lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League uh, on Saturday night. But um, uh, the, the real story at the moment now is the way that fans were treated, particularly Liverpool fans. Um, there was uh, tear gas uh, there were um, uh, people who um, actually felt as if they were going to be crushed to death, apparently. It was described as a shambles trying to get into the stadium. The whole thing was a mess. People were scared that there was going to be another stadium disaster. I'm quoting the Mirror this morning. And there were young children there trying to get in with tickets. So this nonsense that Liverpool fans turned up without tickets is just total and utter rubbish. Apparently, those that turned up without tickets, and there were ticketless people, uh, they weren't Liverpool fans. They were actually local gangs and thugs. People were robbed outside the stadium. People were mugged outside the stadium. And the behaviour of the police with their police batons and shields and tear gas and pepper spray was an absolute disgrace by all accounts. In one particular area, there was something like 14 turnstiles, of which only two were open. 
uh, and there could have been a very, very serious crush. So the tabloids and the red tops pick up on that as well. It's lucky that somebody didn't lose their life, but I'm sure they thought they were going to with the fear and trepidation and anxiety they were put through. I see Leo Varadkar's warning hotels. Uh, he's, he's just a little bit concerned, apparently, that hotels actually could be gouging us with regards to prices. Um, and they want to be very careful because if it's proved that they're gouging, the VAT rate will go up to put manners on them. But it's gone from bad to worse now, whether it's trying to book into a hotel or indeed even trying to rent a car in this country. Staycationers are already being rocketed and hit with petrol prices and diesel if you wanted to travel around Ireland, not to mention hotel prices. The Independent this morning compares it with a lot of European countries. And I can tell you, it's a disgrace, the cost that people are being asked to pay. Just on Friday afternoon, I just did a little bit of a recce with regards to car rental prices. If you wanted to rent a car for a week in Cork, I'll come back to that a little later on this morning. But I can tell you that in one case, a Nissan Micra for a week uh, in Cork with Europe car would set you back €929. Euro. Uh, mind you, a similar one with Kayak would cost you €959. Um, you, you'd really have to shop around to find a deal that was below the 900 In fact, um, I also saw a Ford Mondeo for a week in Cork for 1192 which a gimme a break. I mean, there are those of us that were overseas a couple of weeks ago and through gold was able to rent a Fiat 500 for €85 Euro the week. A Fiat 500 for €85 Euro the week. I mean, that's the kind of money you want to be paying. But not here, apparently, as the cost of living crisis goes from bad to worse. And now housing costs are pushing a fifth of the population into poverty. 750,000 people, I was reading last week, are now living below the poverty line in this country. And is that the reason why? Yes, it is, of course, the reason why support for Sinn Féin continues to soar. Why wouldn't it soar? Um... Red Sea poll from the weekend, I was reading in the Sunday Business Post, says that Sinn Féin now has a 36% support uh, compared to a 20% for Fianna Gael. What in the name of God happened to Fianna Fáil when I can remember support for Fianna Fáil at 43, 45 and 47%? 15%. They're third now. So the combination of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael is below the um, popular support of the public uh, for Sinn Féin at 36%. I'll break it down a little later on as to the reasons why people... I mean, Sinn Féin just need to do nothing. Just wait. Absolutely. Don't score any own goals and just wait. And a lot of it has to do with housing, I can tell you, uh, and also generation rent. So more about that throughout the course of the morning. You've seen the front page of the Echo today. Uh, more kids are homeless now than ever before. And I'm talking about the Cork and Kerry region. So I hate to be starting your week off on a negative uh, on a negative twist, but that's the, the world we live in at the moment. And you know, we were talking about health tourism. I'll come back to that later on this morning. And this is uh, people who travel overseas for cheaper surgery and what have you. And then we started talking about Botox and we started talking about dermal fillers and stuff like that. Well, now apparently there's a tanning spray. This is quite worrying for tan-obsessed teens who are being targeted on TikTok now to buy a banned nasal spray that you literally just spray up your nose and it will darken your skin. And it comes, of course, even though people just don't seem to be worried about it, with a cancer warning. These little sprays are called tanners, apparently. And they they have a synthetic hormone equivalent to melatonin called melatotan. So that's the difference. It's known as the Barbie drug Uh, And apparently it makes you produce more melanin, which then darkens your skin. 
Um, it's an absolute obsession now with body and body image these days, and that's the latest one. And sadly, the death at the weekend in Switzerland of Lester Pickett. Yesterday, he died at the age of 86. I'm not going to go into the darker areas of his life. There's no need for any of that. I just want to let you know that he's passed away and he actually rode his first horse at the age of 12 rode a staggering four and a half thousand winners uh, and rode his last winner at no, at the age of 59. And I, I wouldn't know much about the different horses that Lester was up on, but I remember as a kid, a horse be the name of Nijinsky, because we all pretended we were Nijinsky back in 1970, racing around the parks. And of course, that was one of the big ones way back uh, on the, I think it was a Vincent O'Brien horse, uh, Nijinsky, and he passed away at the weekend at the age, uh, the good old age of actually 86. But one article that I did read said he lived on a diet of a half glass of champagne, small cups of black coffee, and three or four large cigars a day. I suppose he had to keep the weight down. It's one way of doing it, I suppose. Cork's number one talk show. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Okay, text 0868104106, particularly if you had a flight experience, whether it was out of Cork Airport with TUI or indeed Dublin Airport uh, over the weekend itself. So research carried out on support of Premier League teams shows that Liverpool now edge out rivals Manchester United in terms of Irish support. Fair play to you, Kevin. Appreciate that. Uh, That's the kind of research I love. Apparently, Liverpool have 443,500 fans on the island of Ireland. Followed closely, very closely. It's like only 2,000 behind them. Man United have 441,000 as opposed to Liverpool's 443,000. After that, then, you have Chelsea and after that, you have uh, Arsenal. So that answers my wife's question at the weekend. Of course, as usual, I was wrong. I'm always wrong. I had said Man United would have more than Liverpool in Ireland. It's the other way around. Okay, text 0868104106 and to the Tui flight out of Cork uh, to Palma de Mallorca on Saturday. Many, many, many disappointed people. Vicky, good morning. Good morning. Hi, how are you? You were there and you were there with your husband, your four-year-old girl and a small little baby, not even three months what happened? And leave nothing out. Yeah, so, um, well, we booked our holiday back in October and it was just a week to Mallorca. Um, we, I was pregnant at the time, obviously, um, so wanted to get, you know, something out of Cork, nice and close, uh, a short enough flight and just kind of nice flight times as I well. I get you, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's nothing nicer so, than flying out of Cork Airport. It's absolutely exactly, great. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, anyway, long story short, I've been, you know, obviously getting all the bits ready over the last few weeks. Um, we were in the in Sam McCauley's getting his passport photo two days after he was born um, to make sure that we got that in time. And that was back in at the end of February and obviously got the passport. Then we were so excited um, we were kind of told the little girl then we were going and there was a countdown on. Uh, got everything organised, got to the airport Saturday morning, 11.30. Uh, we were due to fly out at 2.10. Yeah. Um, when we got into the airport, we I got a text to say that the flight was delayed from 2.10 to 3.35, um, but to check in as normal anyway, and that was from Chewy. Um, so we checked in as normal. We kind of said, there's no point in going home again and coming out again. We just said we'd get rid of the bags go into the, you know, the lounge and have something to eat and relax. Mm. And then at around three o'clock, there was another announcement to say that the flight was delayed until 5.30. 
So at this point, I was kind of going, oh, I hope I have enough nappies and I hope I have enough... Uh, the practicalities of it all, yeah. And whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, were you aware we were at this fine. stage that two of you were cancelling flights? Uh, there was another one out no. of Dublin and three or four no. in the UK? No, okay. Nothing at all. So we were kind of saying this is a bit of a bummer, you know, we're delayed, but, you know, it's fine, we'll get over it. Um, and then all of a sudden at 3.08, we got a notification, uh, an email to say that the whole holiday was cancelled. And the, the, what the reason was that they gave on the email was a combination of factors causing significant operational disruption. What the hell does that mean? Could they not be more yeah. clear about it, hedging exactly. it like that? So, how, how, you know, well, how, what's re, what's your reaction when you hear you're in Cork Airport, your week's holiday to Mallorca is cancelled? Yeah, like, to be honest, I almost thought it was a bit of a prank. We were all kind of looking at each other saying, did you just get that email or did you just get that notification and um, we, a few people, you know, we asked airport staff around were completely oblivious. Um, my husband rang Chewy in Wilton, which was where we had booked it and they didn't know anything about it and they said it was coming up as live on their system so that there shouldn't be an issue. Um, but they were clueless as well and yeah, I suppose we just kind of, we said, ah, this couldn't be, you know. Um, there was families around who, obviously, at this point, we'd been in the airport for a bit of time. So there was families whose parents, as you do, had a few drinks on board as well. Um, so then we were kind of told to go to the, our gate and that we'd await further instructions. Who told you that? Was that and over the tannoy, was it? That was over the, yeah, over the announcements. That was a good, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes after we'd got the email. Um, so we went down to the gate and there was no one there. Um, and eventually somebody... So the airport didn't know the two had even cancelled the flight? No, no, not initially anyway. Um, and then the person, the lady who had checked our bags in downstairs arrived and just said that we had to go down the stairs to arrival to collect our bag on, our bags on luggage, on the, you know, on the Carousel. conveyor belt yeah. and head off home. So, like... You got it? You know, there was absolutely got it. Like, there was kids crying around us I started crying looking at them, you know, just, I'd say a lot of these families had been, you know, dying to get away for two years or more. Um, you know, you save up money, you book your time off work. Uh, there was families there that had gone together. So that obviously, you know, there could have been four or six adults that had to coincide, you know, uh, time off work. Correct. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, there's just all the planning that goes into it. Even ourselves, we only, you know, obviously our four-year-old was, devastated and she just said oh mommy we can just go tomorrow instead you know um just you know just confused and just not understanding at all um yeah it's just it's just disappointing and you know what we were after so much disappointment already with covid um i know for for our situation i was pregnant during covid so you know literally didn't leave the house and you know for fear that yeah. we'd catch it or anything would happen so yeah. um we were just so looking forward to getting out and about and you know, what happens to what happens to a full package holiday where the flight's cancelled? Who, who who compensates you? So Chewy, now we are like we got an email yesterday to say our holiday would be refunded in full, um, no time frame or anything like that. And that's the only contact that I've got since um, was that email just to say your your holiday has been cancelled and you will receive a full refund, um, and it could be in you know part payments. Next fourteen paid. days or something. Part payments. It didn't even. Yeah, it said. It said. You know, depending on how you paid. So if you know, we obviously paid a deposit first, and then we paid the rest of it, 
Um, but, you know, it could be in dribs and drabs. Basically. Because they're saying in, in their, uh, they had a press release talking about the cancellation and the apologising for it, etc., etc. They said a combination of factors, as you said, resulted in the cancellation. Yeah. Full refunds are expected in the next 14 days. Yeah, I don't know about that. And then you have to apply for, they are saying 400 per person uh, compensation. compensation. Okay. And How will you now spend the week? 250 in so, vouchers? Yeah, apparently as well per person. Oh, so you could be um, 650 so euro up per family member? Possibly, yeah. I don't know now. I'll believe it when I see it, I think. Plus the cost um, of we, the entire holiday package back and six hundred up to 650 per person. It's some it's some consolation. I saw a video um, that I'd sent me, a Twitter video that was shared of a fella uh, in Dublin, who who was in a similar situation with the TUI flight, and he was saying that he was told it was because they didn't have cabin crew. Yeah, or like I find it hard to believe because there's a TUI plane, the one that came from Majorca to Cork, that came in. So you know, clearly that was fully staffed, um, pilot and all. But like I know, possibly they were meant to be coming off duty, maybe at that stage. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, another crew coming on, but yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. But surely, like you know, it's costing them an absolute fortune. Surely they could have pulled something from somewhere or even said, you know, go out today instead. Yeah, well, there were four or five in the UK as well. So how are you you going to now spend the week? What are you going to do? So, well, my husband's boss has been very good and um, we explained the situation to her and he's gone back to work now today um, and he's, you know, maybe going to get um, a week at a later stage instead. Uh, so it's back to normal function today. My little girl's going to her Montessori and yeah, back to cooking dinners. We had to do a whole food shop because they'd thrown all the, I know. the food out. <laughs> and, um, what are you, are you going to try and get something else? Are you looking online? Yeah, we're looking. Yeah, we're looking. There's nothing really available. Uh, we rang Chewy as well and said, you know, is, have, are you offering any alternatives? Um, and now to be fair, the, the staff in Wilton shopping centre the Chewy staff are lovely um, and they were really helpful but there's just nothing um, plus they said we can't use our vouchers until they're issued anyway um, so yeah we're looking at but like we have to fork out another you know few thousand for a holiday in the meantime if, if we can get something um, while waiting well, for the waiting. refund yeah, for the exactly. entire cancellation and, you know yeah. not everyone has has that option I'd say you know, I know as well, so. I know I know plus, it's just all it's just all the the, you know, you you buy all your sun creams and the whole new wardrobe for for the three month yeah, old, and yeah, yeah, he'd yeah. be grown out of it if we yeah. get one you, later in the summer. Yeah, so. you'd sum it up with the one word "gutted," which you did "gutted," yeah, gutted. Yeah. and yeah. many yeah. more Deleted. like it. Yeah. 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 All right, all right. Yeah, I'll let you get back to the. I'll let you get back to the day job. Thanks, Vicky. Yeah. Cheers. No problem. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Lots of texts on this and calls as well. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after the break. More calls. On the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Corks Red FM. Of course, above at uh, Dublin Airport then. Dublin Airport were tweeting, due to significant queues inside the terminal for check-in, bag drop and security, passengers queuing outside the terminal may not make their flight and may need to contact their airline to rebook. Uh, we sincerely apologise for the obvious frustration and inconvenience this may cause. Um, actually, Esther is uh, was is stuck out in roads in Greece trying to come the other way. Joins me by phone. Esther, good morning. You hear me all right, Hello. Esther? Yeah, good morning to you. You, yeah. would, you, you were due to what, fly home on Saturday? Oh, we were all due to fly home on Saturday night. With Tui? With Tui. Back yeah. into Cork, was it? Back to Dublin. Dublin, okay. What happened? Yeah. 
Um, we got to the airport at nine o'clock and uh, an airport representative came onto the bus and said, uh, should we rep- we'll be with you in a minute to take you to your hotel? And that was the first we were told of it. Our flight was at half twelve that night. So we got into the airport and the rep said, will your flight's cancelled? And they couldn't tell us why. And you'll be taken to a hotel for the night. This so, is coming back uh, from Rhodes, one of the Greek islands, right? This is coming back from Rhodes. Yeah. We were all here for a week. So, um, But the flight out actually was delayed by an hour and a half and they had no coffees, no drinks, and only one functioning toilet on the plane right. on the way out as did well. Did you notice that the plane might have... Which was fine when you're on the way out. Yeah, what, did they say why there was no coffee, drinks, water, food, anything? Did they say? They blamed Dublin Airport. They said it was... They couldn't get stuff in Dublin. They said they could only refuel in Greece. Was that... Were they putting it down to the chaos at Dublin Airport going out, is it? No, because last week it wasn't chaotic. We flew through security. So... Um, was there enough cabin any, staff on board, do you think? There was at least four cabin staff on board. Okay, so you didn't see a shortage or anything of the cabin staff? No, no shortage okay. Um, okay. and no explanation for why the toilets weren't working. So, For the whole flight, there was no lose? There was one toilet for about 300 people. And there should be at least four, right? There's four toilets on the airplanes, yeah. So we got on and she said there was two um, functioning at the back of the plane only. Um, and she apologised that this way we were all in the air and then she said there was only one working um, and that was for another four hours of a flight. So there was a consistent queue uh, for the toilet. And that, of course, is not the fault of staff on board an airplane, of course. No, it's completely not. Not at all, but they probably have to deal with the brunt of the, certainly the confusion and also maybe the criticism. I think when we were on the way out, a lot of people were just like, ah, look here, we're on the way out to our holiday, it's okay. You know, people were like, it's grand. They thought nothing of it. But now that we're kind of stuck in this nightmare, it's a bit more <laughs> uh, nightmarish. Okay, so you got there on Saturday night only to you wouldn't be going. What did they do with you then? They took us to a hotel in the middle of nowhere outside Falaraki. Um, you say it's a, it was a horrible hotel, you said? Oh, it was horrible. Like, uh, w- thankfully, one of one of the uh, people has photos. She actually thought to take photos. Like, one person had blood-stained sheets and had to get somebody to come and change the, change the sheets. Most people had ants crawling all over the place and other people had air conditioning that wasn't working. Um, and there was insects and there was birds in people's rooms. and Birds just, in the rooms, flying in the windows and stuff. Yeah, so, and, like, you know, we got there and... The staff obviously weren't prepared for us, so like even trying to get a, a drink of, at that time of the night, water, anything like you know was they couldn't understand us. And um, so, who, uh, like, who actually, who actually, apart from people who have flights cancelled, stay in a hotel like that? Is it just for cancelled hotel, cancelled flights? I don't know. Like, I don't. We don't know. Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, there was. There was three, up to 300 of us and like there were two bus loads with at least 40 people on each bus. Maybe it's just um, a hotel for cancelled flights because you'd hate to think of somebody booking into that for a week or two for the holidays and roads. And the funny thing is the actual, we looked at the ratings on TripAdvisor and the ratings actually are bad for that hotel. Um, so unless we caught them unawares. I, I often find, well, you know, you look at TripAdvisor and things like that and you'd, even on Amazon and things, you look for people's comments You'd never buy anything if you read those because you'll get the good, the bad and the ugly, you know? 
exactly. So anyway, exactly. You, but you did you did stay there for the night. We stayed there for the night. We kind of, it was, at this stage, we had been kind of messed around in the airport for a couple of hours. We arrived there, I think, about half 11. Uh, like, we were actually just put on a bus at one stage at the airport, and they left us sitting on the bus for half an hour. And I think we were so complacent at that stage because we were like, you know, obviously we were like, okay, look, we're, we're here for the night. But finally the bus left and took us to this place, and we were like, okay, we'll stay, we'll be staying in the town, we'll be able to go and do something for the evening. No, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. There was no shop, no pub, no restaurant, nothing. And, you know, some people on that flight would have no money either, so they wouldn't be able to do anything. They'd have budgeted for the holiday. That's the thing, like, and, and like a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of kids on the flight and there's a lot of people who have jobs to go to today that had to be calling bosses, bosses and, you know, that kind so of thing. So back to the airport you went by coach on the Sunday morning, was it? So on the Sunday morning, at, I think, like, we all kind of had, what, a really disgusting breakfast. Um, but we ate because the airport food, like, you know, not only is it expensive, but it, it's not exactly very nice. Uh, so we all ate the breakfast and then we were all hanging around like lemmings around the air or around the hotel and at 10 to 11, these two buses pull up and this driver gets off. No, not a rep, not a Chewy rep. These, these two Grecian drivers get off and they said, you're with Chewy, get on the bus. And the rooms were, phone calls were made to the rooms, to people in the rooms and they said, um, you have 10 minutes to get to your bus. So of course, <laughs> we were all like, all right, okay, so we have 10 minutes to get to our bus and then we were told, like, think some people check road the airport and it said, you know, there's a flight up on the airport departures at 20 past one to Dublin. So we were like, grand, you know, we've got a flight. We were all excited, ready to go home. Got back to the airport, queued up, checked in our bags. Um, the baggage belt broke. So we were queuing for about half an hour for the bags to be taken. Flew through security. We were all waiting at the gate. I know a lot of us got food, actually. Um, because we didn't know if there was going to be any chewy food on the flight, having had the flight over. So a lot of us got food in the airport. Um, and we sat at the gate for an hour. And then the airport police came up to us and said, what are you doing here? And we said, we're waiting for a flight to Dublin. And he said, there is no flight to Dublin. So that was the first thing we found out. What? Any chewy rep around, no? So there was a Chewy rep helped some people check their bags in, um, but she didn't know anything. All she could see was that on the on the TV monitors, there it said that gate six was 20 past one in Dublin. At this stage, it was to Dublin. At this stage, it was half one, and the Dublin Air, or the Greece, the Rose Airport Police said to us, there is no flight to Dublin. And we said, yeah, it was 10 minutes ago. And then we looked at the screens, and it had disappeared off the screen. Good God. Even though, even so, though the system allowed you check-in baggage and everything. What did you do next? Oh, we all had tickets. So then the uh, airport said to us, the airport staff said to us, you have to go back down and get your bags and meet a chewy rep outside. So they opened the doors to the plane and they walked us back down. They made us all go back through passport security, queue for passport security. And we all had to queue with all the people who were delighted. They were all arriving from God knows where for their holiday. And us miserable <laughs> there getting our bags off baggage, um, off the baggage cart and going out and meeting a Chewy rep. At which point we were told, you're going back to the hotel you've just been to. Back to the so, horrible hotel. And, and did, yeah. ever, did anybody complain about that? So at this point, a number of us were quite vocal, uh, myself included. 
uh, to the Chewy rep and we said non- under no uncertain circumstances are we going back to that hotel and the Chewy rep and the airport staff called our bluff and said if you do not get on this bus you are on your own so a lot a lot of people panicked. One bus had already taken the majority of the children um, and older people to another smaller hotel. They were happy to go. I don't think their hotel was bad. And this two buses were there to take us to this hotel and two bus full of, pe- full of people took a lot of people to back to that hotel. But did they there, choose there, the type yeah. of... I mean, you said elderly people went to a better hotel. Did you say families you with see, children? They were, called, they were called forth first. They were asked for first because they didn't want them standing around in the heat and all that kind so of So that would be elderly so, people, uh, families with small children. children, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that was one busload of people went to this small hotel and we said, why can't we go there? So it's too small. And did you have to so go then, back to the one you were in the night before? No. We, so uh, two, as I said, two busloads of people got on that bus and there was about 40 of us refused to get to go. So they, they said, you're on your own. So then we kind of, stood there and we said we want a manager so a TUI manager came out and he said look I'll make a phone call and he made a phone call and he said right I have you in a hotel um, for the night now booked in and we were like right well before we go anywhere like you need to start talking to us you need to start because we knew nothing we had not been told anything and we said you need to tell us like when are we going home are what we going happened? home tomorrow are yeah. we going home Wednesday like why do we get taken all the way through the airport and he said oh um, we think that might have been the airport trying to get you out of the hotel and the people in the hotel trying to get you out of the hotel to make sure that you would check out. And we have heard from the people who were in that other hotel, they're trying to do the same thing today, telling them that there is a flight today. But those people are refusing to leave because we, again, the last thing we heard was from that TUI rep when we got on that bus at 3 p.m. yesterday, having spent all morning there. And that is the last thing we have heard from TUI. And what's the hotel like you're in now? Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> it's much, much more improved. But when will you get home? They haven't. They, we don't know. It could That's be Saturday, I'm told. So the thing we were thinking is there's a whole, like, as in there's a whole group of people that will come to the airport on Saturday night um, for their holiday to Rose. But the holiday that obviously didn't go last Saturday, they, it was, their holiday was cancelled. Um, that the ones that turned up to Dublin last mm-hmm. Saturday, so mm-hmm. our equivalent, their holiday was cancelled. So if they don't want to fly an empty plane, they could wait and leave us here till Saturday, fly us back, and then fly that new group of people back over. So what? Like, how are you going to spend the week? Because a lot of people wouldn't have money for another week. I well, like I'm I'm self-employed. Like I work for myself, and you know my partner works for himself, and so like a lot of people have had to take extra holiday days, which they won't get back. Um, I mean, I have a little girl sitting here beside me and she's missing her horse riding lessons. She's missing school. Um, You know, like... But they didn't offer any compensation to tide people over for the week, did they? Oh, they sent us an email. They sent us an email to say um, you'll get 400 euros back plus a 200 euro Chewy voucher. Right. Okay. That's it. Oh, we also got a, a message this morning asking us to review our trip to Rose and how we found it. That'll be an interesting review, says you. <laughs> so, but as of now, we, the, a TUI rep turned up to the hotel this morning at 11 o'clock and she didn't know we were here. So she turned up to uh, talk to the people who were here on holidays to help them book their trips 
and excursions to the weekend. Yeah, there's chaos within Tui, and, and you know, I feel sorry for the reps on the ground as well because it's not of their making either. They're probably no, they're probably no, rushing I around. Think with I might have an update here on something. Tui manager has come to the air to the hotel and has told us that they have no further information for yeah. us at the moment, okay. which means we're stuck here. Yeah. And are you in a town or a village near a beach, restaurants, pubs and things? We are on the west coast of Rose Town, so we're we're a taxi away from getting into Rose Town. We're about twenty minutes away from getting into Rose Town and there is a, a some a beach outside um, but there's there's only kind of pubs. There's not many amenities around the place. Okay. Um, many the people... hotel is nice, you know, swimming pools and stuff. But there's a, good. A, yeah. a good group of people here. Um, so you're just going to have to make no the most of it. And would you have uh, many Cork people on that flight besides yourself? Uh, there's not many Cork people. We have Carlo. We have Dublin. We have um, Kilkenny. We've Galway. Yeah. yeah. And you, yeah, you, and you heard about the cancelled Cork flight Saturday, didn't you? We heard about that's how I actually that's how I saw it on Facebook. The Palma, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the Palma one. Um, so, well, look, uh, feel free to stay in touch with me over the coming days. Uh, enjoy your extra week. Um, that's all you can do, and just wait for a flight home, ain't so? Yeah, thanks very much, Neil. Take care for now. Thanks, Esther. Thanks Bye. for sharing. Cheers, Ray. Bye. Good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? What's your own situation? Um, we were hi Dan. We were supposed to travel to Cost last week uh, with Tui from Dublin. Mm. Um, arrived at the airport eleven o'clock morning uh, last Wednesday. Uh, sorry, the eighteenth Wednesday, the eighteenth. Uh, got been through. Um, got got a notice saying that the flight was going to be delayed from two o'clock to half. Uh, sorry, from three thirty to five thirty. Well, we were standing waiting to get on the plane and uh, at 6 o'clock we were told the flight was cancelled until the next day. It was a technical, uh, te- technical issue. But the Swiss port staff that were there told us that they cannot get the staff. There was no staff to fly, uh, for the flight. So they're saying that TUI haven't got the staff to fly the planes? Fly the, fly the plane. Or to do cabin um, crew on the planes, yeah. yeah. The cabin crew on the plane, that's yeah. exactly it, yeah. Neil. Yeah. And... Um, well, how come so they have they no food on the planes and the toilets are broken and everything they go under? Um, th- th- that's another thing, Neil. Then, um, I'll tell you, um, at six o'clock we were told to go out, out and get our bags and still sort it out for a hotel. Uh, it was about half eight at night when we got our bags back. We were standing out in the, uh, waiting for our bags for oh, two and a half hours. Went up to the Swiss port desk it was absolutely bedlam. Everybody was having an argument with the people behind the counter. And they said, just go to zone 16, the bus is there, and you'll get your hotel. So we arrived there, got on the bus, arrived at our hotel about 10 o'clock that night. I asked the girl behind the counter in the hotel, is there food available? And she said, no, 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 we don't, the, the restaurant is closed, we don't do the food. So we went upstairs, had showers, and went to bed. Got up the next morning. Hungry. hungry um, yeah. Oh, of course we were hungry. We were in the airport at 11 o'clock that morning. Um, you know what the airport food is now? It was diabolical. The place was just strong with people queuing for food, so we didn't bother. Yeah, we but I'm told that after you bed. went to bed, subsequently food did arrive and none, none of you were yeah. told. Uh, 11 o'clock, we got, so we got up the next morning, we were talking to a few people around the place and they said food came at 11 o'clock that night, uh, chips and pizzas. They were left up on the table. 
Um, no one ate him. So they sent they sent him to a homeless shelter that night. Um, gosh, Wouldn't yeah, they call we the right, hotel rooms and tell people? No, no, no. It was, it was absolutely. We know that's one thing. There was no communication from Tui whatsoever the whole day. It was through texts and emails we got. Yeah. Why do you um, think the reception would call people who were hungry and I say, "Listen, I don't know whether you're on bed or not. I'm just calling you to let to know let you know there's food down in reception." They could have, but they didn't. Okay. 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 I, don't, I, I don't know what to say. Well, to what that. happened the next day? Um, we were got a text saying we were going to be picked up at two o'clock, and the flight was at two. Uh, they picked up at ten o'clock from the airport, and the flight was at two o'clock. So we had to go through all the queuing up, going through uh, security, blah blah blah. Um, at two o'clock, we were queuing up to go onto the plane. Um, we got a text saying there's going to be no food, no uh, food service on the plane at all. So we're sitting on the plane. Come three o'clock, we got um, the, the one the, over the ten I came that the the catering service has been put onto the plane. Um, so they were given excuse after excuse, and about twenty past three, myself and my partner said, "Oh, we have enough." Said, oh, so we, we didn't sleep the night before. We said enough, enough for two weeks, enough of everything. So we got up off the plane, went up to the top uh, the plane, and told the, the air hostess. Look, we want to get off. Just um, give us our bags. We want to go. Why, yeah, Ray? I mean, you were so close to take off. No, Why did you do that? Neil, I had enough. The, the, the hotel we had, the roaring and shouting outside the hotel at night time. Stuff. Uh, I was just frustrated. I just said enough, Neil. Enough. There was no communication. We thought, well, here we go again. They want to take us off the plane. We're sitting on nearly over an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, we said, t- we said enough, Neil. We, just got, we got off the plane. The girl just got her um, the boarding passes and ripped, ripped them up in front of us, and off we went. Got our bags and came home. Subsequently, we got an email saying that we're entitled to 400 euro uh, um, compensation. And in the last two weeks, Neil, I've been putting it in to claim it, and they can't find our names on the manifest. They're saying that we weren't not, we we're, were never with TUI. We've nothing, nothing. We, we can't contact anyone. There's no e- they'll email hardly them. Give you, they'll hardly give you compensation, though, will they? You got off the plane. But, but no, no, Neil, just. We don't care about the flight. The flight. We've lost the flight uh, money, but uh, we were. We should. We should get compensation for the twenty-four hours of the, the messing around. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know what the there. There are certain time structures that you have to hit. I don't know how many. Like after oh, eight, six hours, eight hours, twenty-four. No, hours, twenty-four. Yeah, twenty-four hours. They have. They, I have it all. They have to have email, email me. Yeah. yeah. The flight is. Uh, the flight is delayed twenty-four hours. We're entitled to four hundred uh, euro compensation. Um, I've applied for it and they keep come, they keep bouncing back. Um, we've contacted the, the the people in Wilton that we dealt with. Yeah. The girl has been fantastic. She's contacted us uh, too. She's she's on the case for us. But I, yesterday I got another one saying that the two of us are not on the manifest again. Um, it was just a complete and utter, utter shambles of um, a... Yeah, company. you're probably not showing up on the manifest because you got off the plane. Don't give up on that though, you know. Don't give up oh, on I won't, I won't. I'm just saying... People want to be careful, Neil. Just be careful. Yesterday, the same thing happened up in Dublin again. Another flight to uh, Salou with Dewey. They were all at the airport. And again, they're all, um, it was cancelled until today. It's been ongoing. All right. And tell me, what are you going to do for a holiday? Uh, I'll never book with a tour operator again, Neil. Right, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll do individually go 
Ryanair or Aer Lingus and book a hotel. Okay, all right. Okay. At, least Ryanair, at least Ryanair will get you there. Stay in touch with me with regards to your compensation. Oh, I will. I'll let you know we'll go. Okay, cheers, my man. Thanks, Ray. Very Thank busy you. this morning with all sorts of chaos in the air, indeed, not even in the air, on the ground. Just very quickly, because he's not available after 10, I wanted to get Owen Corrie's pitch on this, travel expert Owen Corrie, with regards to TUI and, indeed, Dublin Airport. Owen, I might start with, uh, with TUI out of Cork Airport and the cancelled TUI flights. What's going on with TUI, do you know? everything falling apart, same pressure, same background pressure to both of them. A lot of uh, post, during COVID, reduction in staff, uh, trying to ramp back up, uh, thinking that they could make it into the peak summer period. Right across the TUI network, we have um, flight cancellations. Um, we have Manchester Airport uh, complaints all over social media over the weekend uh, of the check-in, not enough check-in staff and the flights being horribly delayed. And you were just alluded to that situation at gate 207 at Dublin Airport yesterday. Dublin Airport obviously all over the airways last night uh, but the people who actually made it to gate 207 were left there for three, four hours with absolutely no idea what was happening and as you said cancelled till today. So do we have so 72 system, planes? Um, surely be to God yeah, they'd know if that was going to be enough when they see the bookings coming in. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big uh, tour operator um, in terms of tour operating and they're across uh, a lot of different countries. They're basically a German operation. But one that seems to have happened is that uh, a problem that originated in one region uh, just caused contagion because aircraft are taking off from one from Germany, going down to Spain, back to Dublin. Yeah, I understand uh, all England. of that. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing just came apart very quickly. And is that the why there's no food and the toilets are broken and I'm hearing they're short of cabin crew? They just don't have the staff. We don't have the staff. Staffing is the biggest problem. And remember, this is replicated, Neil. Uh, the service air people that one of your uh, callers was, call, they're in, under such pressure that a new route, a wonderful new route that's, due, that's starting this Friday from Dublin to Cairo four times a week. Uh, it wasn't clear until two weeks ago that would they have the staff to do the check-in and the gate okay. to, for that. So that everything is under pressure at the airport. You also have another problem, uh, which has not been alluded to much, is that a whole tier of management has been taken out. So the people who were nimble of foot, able to make decisions quickly, had seen every single conceivable crisis before, a lot of them are out of the system. So both TUI and Dublin Airport under the same pressure and uh, when you're in the service industry it's pretty unforgiving. People uh, who pay for a holiday expect to be given the very basic... Well I have reams of texts and calls and comments from people. I'll come come to those after 10 but I know you're under pressure for time. Will people should people be worried if they have a two-week holiday booked across the summer? I mean, is a bank holiday weekend coming? It's under pressure at the moment. They'll be uh, scratching heads and trying to recover it for uh, the bank holiday. They pressured the big numbers out of, uh, for TUI are out of Britain and Germany. And well, I would expect them uh, to tackle those big markets first. Uh, I don't think that we need worry about them. They're a big company, they're bonded, and if things go wrong, they will be compensating people. But what they should have done mm. is what EasyJet did, Neil. Uh, they just cancelled 200 flights.
flights this weekend. They looked at the staff and they said, we can't do it. And Tui should have, uh, you know, the lesson out of this is Tui should have moved earlier to cancel their flights. If you have to cancel a flight, people are, uh, you know, they'd be cranky about it. But bringing them to the airport and then cancelling that, uh, that's sure way. I, and, am, uh, I imagine there's a lot of families in Cork would be worried that their summer break, which they're entitled to and have been looking forward to a well-earned break, could well be cancelled. Looking, looking at Dublin Airport, what's the problem there? Is it staffing? Is it rostering? Are they, is it these short-term contracts they've been offering people? I know that they let a thousand go in both, certainly in Dublin airports, you know, they that voluntary program during COVID. Are they paying the price for that now? Paying the price for uh, underestimating uh, the impact of the staff that they let go. They're recruiting 350 people. Yeah, I'm just losing you there. Just move around their own little bit. The line isn't great. So they're paying the price for layoffs and redundancies. They've been caught on the hop now um, and blaming passengers for arriving too early. Yeah, they've, they've said uh, they had a very bad march and then they said, uh, don't come too early. Come early, but don't come too early. And that's what has happened again this morning. Uh, airline, uh, one of the airlines just on to be in the, just between the calls there saying that they have large numbers of people arriving five and six hours early for a flight before check-in is effectively open. So once people uh, arrive too early, it creates a whole new set of problems. That's what they're dealing with today. But they had been, everything had been going well. They got a good month out of it. Saturday was supposed to be a problem day. A lot of sports fans to be shifted. But Sunday was where it all went wrong. And the reason it all went wrong in one line is a lot of people didn't show up for the early morning. It's like a football match. If you've lost the first 10 minutes, very hard to get it back. By early afternoon, things were effectively out of control. What do you mean a lot of people didn't show up? What does that mean? It just means that that there was uh, uh, people who were rostered, uh, didn't, weren't able to come to work. Uh, COVID is a particular problem for that, as you know. And they, you're in the business of phoning people up and trying to bring them in and uh, bring them in on extra rates. And so know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't exclusively people turning up too early for their flight. Then there was a cocktail of other reasons amongst them. Uh, Ab- absenteeism so yesterday morning. Many reasons, Neil, uh, so many reasons, Neil. And one of the biggest is self-inflicted. It's that they failed to safety uh, audits by the European agency EASA within four months. That means that your bags have to be, you have to be more vigilant and it means that your security screening, uh, the, the sensitivity machine has to be high. So there, there is a, a sort of a, a confluence of reasons that have made life difficult for just the security side of the airport. I remember the airline staff, we, saw, we heard what's happening with TUI, it's also happening with a lot of the airlines, um, their check-in staff, insufficient check-in staff, uh, for to get everyone's back oh on board, and flights being delayed, and connections. Being so, missed. could you could, could you imagine being one of the one hundred thousand passengers uh, arriving and departing uh, from Dublin Airport for the bank holiday weekend? It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, we're co- it's, it's, and June 24th is going to be the busiest day at Dublin Airport. They are uh, hoping that they will have, if everyone rostered uh, is there uh, on those days, they're hopeful that they will get people through with uh, security queues of what we've been seeing in the last month, uh, 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Not acceptable pre-COVID, but the people are glad of that now. Uh, that's what they're building towards. But the reality is that we learned yesterday morning 
that uh, if you're, it doesn't matter how strong your rostering is, if you've got uh, a, a, a few no-shows, a few important no-shows on your security side, and um, everything goes out of, qu- out of uh, control. Shows, and yeah. It, and yeah. yeah, and it, it's, so, it turns into, it gets out of control very quickly. In okay, the so just very finally and briefly, there is a call now, and some of it is coming here from Side that the likes of Cork Airport, Shannon Airport, um, Farron 4 Airport should be used to get people in and out of the country, because Dublin can't handle it. What are your thoughts on that? A really interesting conversation about Farron 4 because it does have a, a, a Farron 4 to court Dublin flight. Somebody said I got to drive to Farron 4 Park there and land uh, in Dublin airports. I don't have the security queue and the parking problem. The reality is that the, uh, it's an opportunity for regional air, airports, but the you know the choice of 30 to 40 destinations out of Cork or Shannon versus over 200 out of Dublin still means that it, you you. you you will not get the numbers of scale uh, going through Cork and Shannon that would relieve the problem of our busiest airport um, basically being on the brink of of collapse every weekend. Okay, all right. Oh, and thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Pleasure, yeah, you're always at the end of the phone at short notice. I do appreciate that. The travel expert Owen Curry. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Overtime. Back after ten. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Well, you know, if there was a political will to fix this, maybe it would have been fixed. But you've got to wonder as to, you know, the changing of the guard with uh, the Red Sea poll at the weekend, talking about Sinn Féin just being leaps and bounds ahead of the combined opposition of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Uh, Many politicians, of course, have been just sitting on their hands for too long. They only care about being re-elected, ultimately. They're just looking to the next election. I mean, they can't provide homes. Uh, for people. They can't provide school places. We have a health care that's far from in crisis. It passed that a long time ago. Um, and you just look at uh, people just walking out of A&E now or waiting for 10, 15, 20, 25, 28 hours be seen in an A&E. So nothing done in any of that. Now they can't, you know, they can't even, they can't even get you a passport now, even if you wanted to fly out. And on top of that, they can't even provide an adequate airport system so can people can take a well-earned break. I mean, things just seem to go from bad to worse. And I see in the last hour now, there's an article, a travel article's appeared online saying, that TUI have confirmed that more than 200 flights will be cancelled over the next 10 days. Now, I'm not saying 200 Irish flights. I'm talking about Ireland and the UK. Now, maybe they might be all in the UK. I don't know, but I can't see how we dodge a bullet if it's 200 uh, that are going to go. What they did say regarding the Cork flight was that um, apologising for the inconvenience to our customers to Cork Palma on Saturday. Combination of factors, they said. Um, we felt the impact to customers' holiday was too great and took the different difficult decision to cancel the flight. Uh, we understand how disappointing and frustrating this is, and we do apologise for the inconvenience caused. Um, uh, we felt the impact to customers' holidays was too great. That's a bit of an understatement. Then, uh, according to... Um, the issues out of Dublin Airport. Uh, heading up now, the comms department at the DAA is Kevin Cullernan. He was the marketing manager at Cork Airport for many years. Um, and oh, at least a thousand people uh, missed their flights. Uh, they call it discommoded. <laughs> and that number could rise when, or when they review all of the figures today. It could have been an awful lot more than a thousand people 
missed their flights. Um, and the reasons that were being given, as I said to you before 10 by Dublin Airport through Kevin Cullinan, was the passengers turned up too early for their flights and the security desk was overwhelmed. They're not talking at all about, um, you know, issues regarding staffing or lack of staffing or people calling in sick. Apparently, there weren't enough lanes open to process people. And, oh, they do acknowledge that there wasn't enough staff on duty. So at least they're sharing some of the responsibility. They expect to recruit 300 extra security staff to deal with the issue in the coming weeks. I was talking uh, earlier this morning with uh, somebody who's very much involved in hospitality and the travel industry. And he said to me, the problem with Dublin Airport is the security are not being offered full-time jobs. And the best contracts they can hope for are three months with an option to review after three months. And that's not acceptable because everyone now wants a full-time contract following a probationary period. Not to get a three-month contract and then another three-month. Nobody wants to live their life or have a career like that. I also incidentally said, and what are your thoughts on, um, you know, uh, Varadkar thinking that maybe hotels are now gouging the public with the crazy prices that we're seeing for hotel rooms. And Varadkar said only 9% of hotel rooms in Ireland have been taken up by Ukrainian refugees. Only 9%, he said. So what's going on? He said hotels will always charge crazy prices if they feel that people will pay for them. He says, I personally can't understand in all the years in hospitality why people would actually pay, but they do, uh, the crazy hotel prices that we're seeing at the moment. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Reams and reams of text. We'll pick up on all that after the break. Get off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. And this by email. We were also due to fly from Cork to Palma on Saturday. It was absolutely shocking how this was handled by TUI. Parents were having to explain to their children that they can't go on holidays. Other people had a few drinks before the flight as you do, and they couldn't drive back home. People who booked directly with TUI either got a text or an email telling them their their holiday was cancelled. People who booked through a travel agent got no notification. The plane actually arrived at the gate. Then we were advised the flight was cancelled. Get your bags downstairs from the conveyor belts. This was the way, this was the first holiday many people had booked since 2019. And to be treated in such a fashion was outrageous. A refund will not make up for the upset caused to all the people and young families on this flight out of Cork. Personally, I think the TUI license to operate should be revoked, says Carmel. That's very, very interesting, actually, that you say the plane was at the gate. And I suppose you could see it outside there. That had to be staffing, pure and simple. Not enough staff to uh, man the, pl- the, the flight. Myself, morning, Neil. Myself and my daughter were supposed to depart on the Mallorca flight after booking it last October. We knew it was a smart link, so we'd be flying us there. Uh, we checked departure from Palma. We could see the plane en route, so the delay didn't concern us too much. Plane arrived at Cork. And within 30 minutes of it landing, we all got a text to say the whole package holiday was cancelled. After the initial shock at so late informing us, we scrambled to get any flight going out to anywhere that was sunny. We'd we'd both booked time off work. It's the only week we could get to go together. After waiting years for a break, this was absolutely devastating. This is um, Trace and her daughter now, remember. So we managed at a very high price of €1,870 to get flights to Malaga with Aer Lingus. We got last-minute accommodation in Ben Al-Medina. Some say Ben Al-Madina. We can only hope we get the full refund and compensation in order to break even on the week. We already know with additional transfers, we're around €200 down. We're grateful we are in a position to purchase extra flights. Not everyone could do that. 
We're gutted for all those families and people who couldn't change destinations for whatever reason. Whatever the reason for cancelling so late last minute is unacceptable. I'm sure TUI staff in Wilton were equally in the dark uh, as to what happened. We've looked at TUI flights coming in and out of destinations and most seem delayed. So I'd expect a lot more cancellations. It's not Palma, but Benal Madina we are in and are grateful to just get away, says Trace. And there's reams of text. Parent, my parents were supposed to be on that flight. It was literally three or four minutes before boarding that they got an email. Luggage was on the plane already. Poor young kids who couldn't understand why were crying. It was mayhem. No one around to explain what was happening. People had paid for two weeks car parking. Others had a few drinks before flying so couldn't drive home. It sounded horrific. My parents haven't done a package holiday for years and definitely won't be doing it again. It'll be interesting what the explanation will be if they ever get one. Another one here says, and this was a text that we got in this morning. Morning, Neil. We are due to fly out to Lanzarote on Sunday. I just rang Tui in Maham Point this morning to confirm our holiday was going ahead and was told by them that they have a conference call this morning and they will know more after the conference call. So it sounds to me as if it could be problematic, to say the least. Right, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And we'll come back to that throughout the course uh, of the morning. Um, are we going to Turkey or are we going to Kevin? Is it Kevin? Yeah, okay. All right, come back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. I'll come back to all of these travel-related issues, particularly if you've been in touch with me by text. I'll get more of those on the air. But I want to go back to last week and some of the topics we dealt with. One of them had to do with health tourism, of course. People who go for all sorts of forms of bariatric surgery, gastric banding, gastric sleeves, and things like that overseas. It can cost you nearly 20,000 euro to get that kind of surgery done in Ireland. And I spoke with a girl on the air who got it done for just over 19,000 at the bond. So is it any wonder that people search online to get it done overseas, a lot of the time in Turkey? There's a company called the Health Store Turkey. uh, And one of their founders is Nihal Terzi and was warning people recently about the checks and balances one needs to do before you book with an operator Uh, or indeed a surgery or a clinic in Turkey, and was saying that there's an emerging trend now of people being targeted by rogue operators. And this can lead to traumatic experiences abroad and potentially serious complications down the line, particularly when there's no further aftercare and gives a lot of different advice as to what you should be checking first before you decide to book with the Turkish surgery or clinic. Niha joins me by phone. Niha, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, Thank you for having me on on your show. And I know you've been waiting a while. My apologies for that. Okay, so you say that there's an emerging trend of rogue operators. What do you mean by that? Um, Just like um, you just mentioned, the lady who had the surgery done in Ireland and, you know, put the term of um, gastric sleeve or a gastric bypass on social media. Immediately when that happens, the algorithms kind of like, you know, shows you as the target market. So anybody who is advertising rogue or not rogue um, and just being, you know, you being targeted left, right and centre. And what Irish 
Jewish people um, is finding it, they're being targeted for um, various different things. You know, they're choosing to go for a you know serious surgery, but they're being offered you know um, last chance. You know, at this price, twenty um, percent off, last opportunity at two and a half yes. thousand, three thousand, three thousand two hundred. Exactly, exactly. And also free teeth whitening and Botox and this and that. And so immediately it should ring alarm bells. You are going, you know, you're making a decision on a serious um, surgery. Okay. So there are things you need to ask. But just on first. that point, before um, we get to the questions that need yeah. to be asked, if somebody Googles yeah. gastric banding, right, they automatically uh-huh. yeah. are opening the floodgates for adverts to pop up in their feed all over the place, aren't they? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah that's the way yes. Google and advertising the, works. The Google advertising and that's the way the social media advertising works. So you type or talk about a specific um, um, subject for more than one time and that's it. You are now being targeted um, by everybody. And then they will see your 3,000, your 3,200, mm-hmm. last chance of this price, 20% off, VIP mm-hmm. treatment, hotel transfers in the airport and all this. What should they be looking yeah, out for absolutely. then? Um, first of all, we put a little um, web page together, thehousetoturkey.com forward slash um, registered providers. You need to check whether the hospital, the tra- medical tourism agency or the clinic that you're traveling to, all three needs to have a medical tourism licenses. And you can't get a medical tourism license unless you're a registered company paying taxes. All the people that who is working for you um, is insured. So that's the main thing. So if you just pick a web in a page that you found on social media or your friend has been with them and, you know, you found them down the pub in Kushadasi, um, that's not acceptable. So this would be a medical tourism license. They may be licensed to do operations on Turkish people, but they mightn't be licensed to do operations on other European countries like Ireland. Absolutely. Um, it's um, It requires certain... Um, certain um, criterias we have to meet. Um, first of all, uh, we need to be able to provide a 24-7 um, English-speaking um, staff at the hospital. So they have to be on your side. Um, you know, from the pickup to hospital, you know, through your surgery till you leave Turkey. Um, also, we need to provide uh, the aftercare. Aftercare is one of the, you know, the, the main things about the surgery. You know, t- Turkey, um, the surgeons, the hospitals are amazing, and there are you know they are well qualified, and you know, especially you know the doctors that we're working with. But the main thing is how people are going to be able to cope with this surgery, after effects of surgery, after the operation. Yes, but it, there so can be there can be no aftercare if you're four hours away on a flight and back in Ireland. Um, physical aftercare, yes, but majority of the time, if you uh, are staying in Turkey long enough and the, the complication, physical complications is uh, down to zero. And if you don't provide the, you know, the dietitian support and the psychiatrist support, um, you know, especially after bariatric surgeries, that's when people don't follow the guidelines and actually ends up causing the complications for themselves, themselves you know, okay. by eating, yeah. Yeah, by eating the 
the wrong thing, drinking the wrong thing, or not drinking enough, or not being able to feed themselves enough, or not being able to look after the wounds, you know. Um, so what you don't want so do, to do, yeah, you don't want to book in with a company that just is doing a conveyor belt of surgery day in, day out, day in, day out, without any advice, aftercare, or follow up. You also talk about um, information being withheld until you pay a deposit. Does that happen? Yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting one that I found, you know, it, it came um, quite popular recently. It's basically um, they don't want to talk to you unless you give them the money. Um, actually, you need to educate people on the surgery they are, you know, um, they are considering to have, right? And it's not always um, just because I want, I came on board and said, oh, I want to have a gastric sleeve. That doesn't make me suitable for a gastric sleeve surgery. So why should I pay a deposit um, for something that I might not be able to have um, anyway or shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. You, you know so, now that um, big meetings are being organised and coffee mornings and uh, come and meet our staff. And I know certainly in Dublin that's happening and a lot of it is being driven by bloggers mm-hmm. and influencers. Is, is, that, is that a worry? Um, that's a worry um, because it's kind of, um, you know, if it, if they manage to get the doctors and they, you know you have enough information, but an influencer, um, what an influencer know about the surgery? So Nothing. that's the question we need to ask. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know um, who is giving this information? Again, that's a kind of um, a blo- um, you know we need questions that we need to ask the blogger. So you, it's all down to the information. We like to have one to one conversations. You know um, because we can't do them. Um, you know face to face at the moment because of COVID um, we don't like um, the surgeons to travel um, just in case they get sick um, you know they are in Turkey but we do every evening we do one-to-one video consultations and before surgery um, we basically um, have the chats with the you know the dietitians and the psychiatrists that we have um, you know just make sure the patient that who's considering this you know surgery um, should be seriously you know, um, accepted as a patient. Yes. You say that people should ask the agent or whomever you're mm-hmm. talking to uh, how many surgeries have been carried out daily? Why? Mm-hmm. Um, just like you said, conveyor belt system. So if a surgeon can't remember your name by at the end of the day, what hope do we have that you know, you're going to be given the um, the correct aftercare advice afterwards, and also, um, you know, if you, less, it's all down to mats. If basically um, you're carrying out hundred surgeries a day, and there's only you know um, ten operating theatres, and there are um, you know how when do you clean, when do you you know disinfect, and when do you um, go and have the um, the correct conversation with the patient and make sure and that the correct procedure for that patient it's there, and on also the equipment that is being used to carry out the bariatric surgeries they have manufacturers guidelines you know four to six, you know four to six times and so you don't know you, know, you can't Could actually you be, be operated on by people who are overworked or tired 
And oh yeah, that's the main thing. Um, I wrote that myself, and I completely forgot. Yeah, um, yeah. So basically, um, you know, you start working at eight o'clock. You know, you know from yourself. You know, if you basically are still asked to be working at eight o'clock at night and operating the operating theatre, um, you know, staff as well, not just the surgeon. Surgeon at least gets you know the rest in between, but the the staff don't. And and you know, it's a team that makes a success. It's not just one person. Yeah, tired robot. Could, could could you have yeah. surgeries? I read in, in your in your report that some surgeries work through the night. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that I've, means they'd be going twenty four um, hours. You mean? Mm-hmm. Theatres theatres being kept twenty four hours um, to deal with these large groups of um, you know um, people that is travelling and to put them through um, you know the process um, all in one time and you know there is no other way of doing and don't forget these um, these hospitals still have to. Um, you know, operate on um, Turkish people. You know, if there is an emergency, there is a car, you know, crash down the road or there is an emergency and that, you know, hospitals don't have the right to say no to the Turkish patients. So they also do plastics, do they? Plastic surgery? Um, depends on one, you know, which hospitals we're talking about. Yes, the plastic but you never, you never be going for, like, for instance, I know that we talk about people going for dental tourism and, and things like that, but and and rhinoplasty, mm-hmm. breast augmentation. The, 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 uh-huh. the, you, you speak of a mummy makeover. What what is a mummy mummy makeover? A um, mummy makeover is basically um, carried on um, a patient who's I, who either had a you know three children lost yeah. loads of weight after the you know lost the baby weight and um it's the saggy skin that they okay, you know um, they want is. to okay. get rid of okay or um or somebody who had a bariatric surgery and obviously they lost 100 kilos the excess skin yes. is actually a health issue rather than a cosmetics issue so all this goes on all of these types of surgeries uh-huh. are available you you mm-hmm. even you say don't yeah. sign anything written in turkish would people do that sign something they couldn't understand Unfortunately, I found out about the um, the Irish um, lady that who actually signed and who had the complications later. So, absolutely, the one thing that they have to do is take your time. They never ever feel pressured to sign piece of paper that you're not read through, and make sure all you know. Obviously, for you to be able to read through it, it has to be in English. So make sure it's in your own language and it's written and you understand. And before you put your um, and and also this you know old wives' tale is going about. Just because you signed a piece of paper in Turkey doesn't mean you can't you know take any action against them. So. Just if you made, if you signed a piece of paper and you're not happy um, after the surgery, um, absolutely how, raise your voice. How would you sue a Turkish surgery for a botched job gastric band and you're back in Ireland, say where you get an infection or um, the wounds don't heal and you have to be taken over by a consultant well, or a surgeon in, in the CUH in Cork? There is... There is an Irish, um, you know, basically Turkish con- um, consulate in um, Dublin, and they speak perfect English. And ask them for a list of, you know, um, you know, trusted um, law firms in Turkey, English-speaking law firms in Turkey. And yes, it's all in Turkey, but you know, you still have the right to do so. Okay, so what the would system what, what would exactly it t- what, the same as here? What would a typical rogue operator be then? Would it be some operator who? only wants cash 
who operates on you in the middle of the night, uh, has no translators, gets you to sign things in Turkey, and has no follow-up dedicated dietitian or counsellor. Would that be a typical rogue operator? Yep, uh, absolutely. Um, like a Facebook page, an expat who had a surgery themselves and who lives there, no company, and in a, there is no company aside, and they say, oh, we're using somebody else's license. You can't use anyone else's license. You have to have okay. your own company. Okay. You have to have, you know, even for them to be in the hospital is against the law, you know, because they're not working in the hospital. They're not working for the hospital. They can't give you the support. If there was any, um, if there was, there was an, any inspection, you will see them literally disappearing off your side because, you know, they're not supposed to be there. Okay. Um, why is it, finally, why is it so much cheaper if it's 19,000 in the bonds in Cork and it's 3,200 in, 200, say, in, in Kusadasi? Why is it so cheap? Um, well, like we we carry out our operations in Izmir, and it's it's cheap because at the moment one pound, you know, one euro is one point six Turkish liras, and the you know the cost of living is much cheaper in Turkey. I mean, I think this is known to um, you know to all Irish people that who's been going um, for holidays in Turkey for over the years. Yes. Nothing costs exactly. You know, nothing costs as much. Um, you know, um, as much over in Turkey that it does it's in Ireland. It's the difference between the cost of living in Ireland and Turkey. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is. And it's basically the materials. Um, you know, if you are a top clinic, top hospital in Ireland and using the best material, that's the material that we're using. We buy it in euros. Um, and also just make sure um, there are, you know, there is also too cheap and you need to ask why is it too cheap? If you kind of look around and everybody else is, you know, basically the, the cost is around three, I did all my maths, so it, the cost is for gastric sleep is 3,600 and for bypass is 4,500 and you just ask why, why is someone else is charging you 2,000? You know, mm-hmm. what corner is being cut mm-hmm. and what do they need to have to pay to make that price available to you? Okay. And okay. why okay. do you why do you, why do you get um, you know teeth whitening and Botox included in that price? And you do know, they throw that do some it? of them just throw that in? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I couldn't believe. I'm like, um, you're going for a surgery um, for a, under a general anaesthetic and you're, you're on drips, you, you know, the cannula's put in and out all the time. And, and, and more importantly, you're going to lose the weight and your face is going to lose weight too. So why would you do a Botox? I was I, like, couldn't actually see the logic myself. So. That's, mar- that's a marketing but, ploy, isn't it? That's just to get people sign up. We'll throw is. in Botox, we'll throw in teeth whitening. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. Re- research is key. That's thank an you. excellent report you put together. People yes. can read it in detail at um, Health yeah. Tourism, pardon me, sorry, the healthstoreturkey.com, am I right? Store Turkey. It is, yeah, the healthstoreturkey.com forward slash registered providers. Thank you so much. The whole list is there. Take care, Nihal. Thank Thanks for taking the call. Thank text you, Text on that, text 0868
Six, pick up the phone on 0818104106. Just back to travel chaos and issues re- related to it, whether it was the cancelled TUI flights or maybe you are one of those that will be travelling out of the country to Dublin Airport in the coming weeks. Incidentally, a friend who was due to come home to Cork next weekend, but only for a long weekend from Toronto in Canada, uh, and texted me this morning to say that he was cancelling. He just wasn't going to take the risk of flying in and out of Dublin Airport. More importantly, trying to get back to Canada out of Dublin Airport because he was only coming home for a long weekend. So he's knocked it on the head. I referenced Kevin Hurley. He was the owner of Hurley Centres and president of uh, the Cork Business Association for the next 12 months. He's quoted in the Echo this morning talking about, um, you know, the uh, overcapacity in Dublin Airport and how perhaps maybe Cork could take up the flack. See, he's looking at it with a business head on. You know, he's looking at it as a business owner who would adapt and change to meet a crisis. Kevin, good morning. Hi Neil, good morning, how are you? Yeah, I said it to Owen Curry this morning, he, he doesn't seem to think that that's a runner because you could have 40 flights out of Cork a week and 200 out of Dublin a week and you're only going to be exporting the problem somewhere else. That, that, that's kind of what he was saying. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I wouldn't 100% agree with him, Neil. I think that um, if COVID has taught us anything, that we can be resilient, we can change um, our our mindset, we can change the way we think. If you think of just go to Prince Street, for example, who would have thought four years ago that we'd have beautiful um, canopies and, and umbrellas outside in people? Yeah, outside, 15, pedestrian, street, 15 okay? pedestrianised streets when three or four years exactly. ago City Council were fining people for putting a sandwich board advert outside. It's big change. Ex- yeah. Exactly my point, right? So we have, uh, as, as a country and uh, as a nation, we have changed our way of thinking. So I just think that the DAA and the government and whoever the other relevant bodies are need to start thinking differently. So, for example, you've got whatever, 50,000 people going through Dublin Airport yesterday. The queues were absolutely ridiculous. I really feel sorry for those people that missed their holidays and so on. And I just think that they could divert some of the flights down to Cork, Shannon, Knock, Farron 4, Waterford. There's loads of airports there, loads of runways. Um, I flew out of Farron 4 myself um, two or three years ago. Lovely small airport there. Um, and there's only two flights a day going out of it. Mm. There's no reason why there couldn't be 15 or 16 flights going out of but that do airport. do we want to create chaos at Dublin or Cork Airport then for people who have already booked to go out of Cork Airport, that they'll be discommoded to say the least, No. I don't think that would happen because it's very underutilised. I flew out of Cork myself three weeks ago and, uh, okay, look, it, it's not without its issues in relation to being able to get something to eat and stuff like that up there, but it's, it's, uh, it's definitely underutilised. It's a huge, huge airport. Um, you know, they could staff up a little bit more inside there um, and I think they could double their capacity. But it's just going to need a, a little bit more outside thinking and this is, goes back to my point that, you know, the, the, I know the Princess Street thing is probably something different, but if we were, if we thought four years ago that we would never, we would be able to do that, mm. then surely to God we we should be able to think that you know Dublin Airport is under absolute savage pressure. There's no doubt about it. They're understaffed. Uh, you know, 50,000 yeah. people going out of there. So let's, let, let's try and move it. Yeah, it's, it's another typical example of the changed employment scenario, though, isn't it? Where people are being offered short-term contracts renewable after three months. Who'd want to work for the DAA where you're only guaranteed a three-month gig and we'll look at it after that? You know, that's just not on. It's a bit like, you know, a lot, I mean, imagine it's probably the same in lots of other types of employment. We were talking last week about employers now who don't even employ directly anymore. They use agencies to do it for them. Like a, it's like moving chess pieces. 
Yeah. I agree with you, Neil. I, I, I mean, our company employs over 300 people and uh, all, our, all our staff are all employed, uh, obviously, uh, initially on a probationary period. I have no our, problem our, with the probationary made, period. They're, yeah. made, they're made permanent. They're made permanent. I don't agree with the whole contract thing at all. Uh, I don't think it's fair on people, particularly people that have families and mortgages and so on. See, there's no certainty there. You can't, you can't yeah. live your life under the cosh of a three-month, six-month, 12-month contract. You just can't. You know, I agree. I agree with you 100. percent And I don't. I don't think that's fair on people. So I think they need to relook at the way they're employing people. And I definitely think they need to relook at, uh, at the, all, all the flight, all these flights, and try and redivert them down to the regional airport. Okay. And just as you're the, you know, the the new president of the Cork Business Association, it's got massive pulling power in Cork and holds a lot of sway. And any particular agenda for the next 12 months? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I've, um, I've a lot of pulling power. CBA, <laughs> the CBA does though. Yeah, well, you know, we're like we're the, we're the voice of business people in Cork. Um, you know, our doors are always open for 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 businesses if there's any issues that they want us to try and address with Cork City Council, with the Gardaí, and with the other relevant. Well, bodies. you heard what Richard uh, Quest and CNN said about Cork: tired, tatty, overpriced. Yeah, but I think. Um, I think he was a bit tough on us, and I know the Lord Mayor uh, reiterated that last week as well. I think he was very, very tough on us. He didn't go down to the marina. He didn't go uh, to Fitzgerald Park. He didn't go into the, the the other parts of Cork, which are, which are absolutely beautiful. You know, there's no doubt about it that Patrick Street needs a bit of rejuvenation. But you know, you walk up Oliver Plunkett Street just there last uh, Friday evening or Thursday evening when the sun was shining, and uh, as I as I said before, in your short play, it's like. It's like walking down the street in Nice in the middle of the summer, or uh, which that's right. It's a jewel in the crown, without a doubt. It certainly is. Um, I'm not so sure that I'll ever want to ever go back to Nice again, incidentally, because and I don't want this to happen to Cork either, because it's just become too expensive. People are just commodities there. They charge ten and twelve euro for a pint. They charge fifteen euro for a gin and tonic. They charge you extortionate prices where they don't even know your name. We don't want Cork to turn into a a city like that but you have a business on Patrick Street a thriving business when you look around at the empty businesses empty buildings on Patrick what's the reason for it? Um, well my business on Patrick Street is right next door to uh, the old Rocha Stores Debenhams building and you know we were only open there less than a year when that closed down so it has been tough it is tough um, trading on that street there's a lot of antisocial behaviour etc going on but to be fair the, the Roach Stores building is now for sale, and I'm hearing things that you know people are going to whoever's going to buy it is going to turn it into apartments and uh, uh, offices and retail. So it, that's that's really good. So I think the future is certainly bright for Patrick Street. You know, you've got the Monsoon Building, which has just been exposed now with beautiful facade, which I believe you used to DJ in years ago. Somebody was telling me there recently. Um, <laughs> where where is that? DJ in a lot That's of places. the old uh, Victoria Hotel. Oh, yeah. Coco's. I was jogging at Coco's. Coco's. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be before my time, Neil. No, probably before my time. <laughs> I've been, I'm before a lot of people's time. But still yeah, here. But I mean, like, you, you know, you've, you, you've got that building, um, which is which is reopening. The Devon's building, hopefully, or Roach Stores, as everyone wants to call it now, uh, it will be will be redeveloped. You've got the Queen's Hall Castle, which is going to be redeveloped. Finn's Corner, which is being redeve- redeveloped. You know, moving up towards uh, Bishop Lucy Park, all of the, you know, the, the, the future is certainly bright. It's, I know this guy, Richard Quest, you know, he's, he's in the business of, um, of selling uh, media and, you know, 
controversial. And he does make these controversial statements. I've watched him on CNN. I get that. But you're saying it's very much a work in progress. Um, You say antisocial behavior. Is that a work in progress also? No, but my point on that is um, we in the Cork Business Association have met with the Gardaí only recently. And this is happening in every city in Ireland and every city across the world. There is drugs and there is uh, antisocial behaviour happening. In a, we're, we're not unique in it. But uh, to be fair to the guards, they are doing their best. And I think they're, they're doing a very good job. You know, there's a certain element in society that are, that are going to be there in, in, in all cities. And I think the guards are doing their best on it. Okay. All right. Let you get on. Thanks for taking the okay. call. Accentuate the positive as always. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, uh, Kevin Hurley, he, the uh, president of the Cork Business Association. He's got different central locations in the city. Text 0868104106. We'll pick it up after the break. Uh, no. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Short-term contracts, lads. Huh? What about that? Three months and we'll look at it after that. And then you might get renewed for another three months. You might get a six-month short-term contract renewable and renewable and renewable. Who, you never can live a life like that. You can't rear a family like that. And not to mention, of course, we, you know what never went away? These trials that people have to go on in a shop or working in retail, a trial, you work for free and then they decide whether they'll keep you or not. Anne says, I heard that some security personnel are even on split shifts, which means they're only on call. They have no guarantee that they'll even be called into work. They have to try and hold down other part-time jobs to make a living. Therefore, they may not be available always to the DAA at short notice when they get the call to go to work. Uh, it's a perfect storm, isn't it? A perfect storm of crisis. Jerry Buttermer, the senator, is on the is a member of the Transport Committee. He joins me by phone. Jerry, good morning. So, just can you hear me? All right, Jerry. Mm, I know he's there because I can hear him in the background. Unless you can, you can hear me now, Jerry. Good morning, Neil. Ah, sorry. Yeah. A little bit Good of a morning. glitch. Gotcha now. So, with regards to what happens next, people are very worried now if they're, say, booked with TUI, not necessarily out of Dublin Airport, but Cork Airport, that more flights will be cancelled. Others then, of course, will be going out of Dublin Airport, like the 50,000, 100,000 that's expected next weekend to do so. Um, what can the government do about knocking heads together and bringing the DAA in and putting manners on them? Well, I, I think, first of all, Neil, there needs to be knocking of heads. Um, what happened this weekend, but not just this weekend, but, you know, we had it at Easter where we were out there as a committee on the 4th of April uh, and something went radically wrong, Neil, because over Easter you had 45,000, 50,000 people travelling on the same type of scenarios yesterday with nothing like yesterday's absolute chaos and carnage. But will there be, um, but so will there be a meeting? Did I read something about the junior yes, transport minister, yes. Hildegard Nocton, wasn't it? Hildegard Nocton, the minister with responsibility for aviation, this morning is meeting with DEA on either tomorrow or Wednesday, the Oireachtas Committee, which I'm a member of the Transport Committee, is meeting with the management of DEA. Um, and there is a need to ensure, Neil, that there is not a repeat of this. Um, this is not that something, this is not new. This was forecast. DAA themselves, since October, have been recruiting and have recruited almost 300 people um, between Garda vetting and training. There's been an, an inordinate delay, which is unacceptable. Why, though? But they laid the off, they, it, was that because they laid off thousands during COVID, was it, Jerry? Well, there was there was a thousand people, Neil, between 
redundancy between being laid off, between not coming back, left during COVID, and they have replaced some of them, not all. Um, there is an issue that needs to be addressed by Dublin Airport Authority in the context of recruitment and and the type of contracts being offered. Um, the the important point, Neil. No, is no, that that's a very important point. You say the type of contracts yeah, being offered. What are they? They're, well, are they I, are they shocking well, terms and conditions that people just don't bother turning up? I think there's there's a number of move, moving parts to this. One is that there are contracts that are anti-social in terms of the hours, you know, from three o'clock in the morning to we'll say ten o'clock in the morning or late at night. So that's one thing. Two is terms and conditions in terms of the number of hours and the flexibility of those hours. So and says that they're on sh- they're on call. There's no guarantee. And you know when they say people weren't weren't turning up for work was one of the reasons at the weekend. Maybe it's because they just have other jobs. In some cases, that's what's actually happened. In other cases, people just didn't bother coming in. And in third cases, people say we're not going to put up with that kind of type of contract. And that's why there's a need for honesty about the contracts that are being offered so that we can make it an attractive and incentivize people to work in, in, in the type of jobs being offered at the moment in Dublin Airport Authority in, in Dublin Airport. And that is part of our difficulty. Um, and so it's important, Neil, that we have that conversation. We had it in April. We were told they had recruiting. They were they had commenced the recruitment process. There was, I think, 300 people recruited to start by the June bank holiday weekend which is next weekend um, so it, it, it's about a combination I said of then fully training those people having Garda vetting I know there was an issue with Garda vetting because of the type of work that was involved but in saying that it doesn't make sense that from October to the June weekend you hadn't put in place the structures the rostering the, 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 the manpower to be able to man security desks, baggage claim, you know, drop baggage drop-off in the manner in which would make an airport, which has been quite successfully run. Yeah, I, like, uh, I mean, you're, you're, scenes it has. you're a man of the world, so you know that the automatic reaction from somebody who's travelling on an airplane, going through an airport, is to arrive earlier to make sure that they give themselves plenty of time. But yes, the airports are blaming people for turning up earlier. You can't blame people for well, doing that. You, you, Neil, you absolutely can't. If it was me... I, and I, I'm travelling out of Dublin next Thursday night because the flight from Barcelona, from Cork, is not available to someone yeah. by your link. So you're it's going to give yourself extra time. But I'm going to give myself extra time. And if I was the person in that line yesterday, I would have the same anxiety, the same stress, the same pent-up emotion that they have and had. Uh, so the, you, you can't blame passengers for coming early. Passengers, we're going to always err on the side of caution, as you know. Uh, rather than lastminute.com. So you can't explain that. You can't ex- expect passengers to do anything different. So what we need to ensure that as a consequence of, of this weekend is that there are proper uh, procedures in place in terms of staffing, in terms of lanes being open, in terms of security, in terms of the whole airport. With, you know, the, the airlines had an issue this weekend with their drop and collect and the Aer Lingus app was off air on Friday. Um, and I suppose the other thing, Neil, that... I think the people, I think all of these companies are doing things on the cheap. They're cutting all sorts of corners. You also know that this is not going to be good for tourism. There's a story in The Independent this morning of a family from New York, I think, who said they will never, ever, ever come back to Ireland again. The examiner, and sorry, the, the examiner. Rep- yeah. The reputational damage is unbelievable. And that's why it's important as part of a, a, a bigger conversation around aviation policy that Aer Lingus... Ryanair, who are the main carriers here, but all the airlines sit down uh, as we look at the national aviation policy with a view to looking at how we can ba- support the regional airport development program because it's 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 crazy, Neil. So you're uh, saying that example, more people Air- who want to fly out of Cork should not have to go to Dublin to do so. 
one million percent. Now, in, in defence of Cork Airport, they've been very proactive and very strong in, in, in their route development in terms of, you know, incentivization with airlines to come to Cork. But the reality is airlines, as you know better than I do, will vote because it's the capital city uh, and economies of scale in that, in that Dublin has become a connectivity hub for for, for a, a kind of a passenger transit to, 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 to cross the Atlantic. Yeah. So the difficulty we have now is that, for example, you take Aer Lingus. Aer Lingus's short-haul fleet has not come back to the way it has post-COVID. Emerald, who are the carrier doing their short-haul flights as well for them, has not re-engaged in, in terms of some mm. of the flights out of Cork, from what I understand. So there needs to be a bit of an accentuation of policy in terms of how do you ensure that, for example, you know, flights out of Cork that were lost because of COVID uh, return. Like Cork Airport now has, 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 I think it's 40 routes this year uh, for the summer. Maybe Cork Airport airlines. should be independently run. That this DAA isn't working for us, you know? Well, it has worked, and that 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 boat has gone. Unfortunately, that flight has left the the the, the, the runway. Um, and and I think, in fairness, Neil, and we had this debate over the the, the construction of the new terminal at that time. The A has been good for Cork. We've seen the investment. We've seen the investment in the runway in terms of staffing, in terms of other mm. ancillary services. But the point is, the point is, what needs to happen is that the. COVID pandemic funding in terms of route development, in terms of in supporting airports to incentivise and attract airlines must continue under the regional airports development yeah, programme. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to solve anything in the coming weeks or months across no, the summer. In the you coming know? weeks it's not. Like no, Mick what, says, what, Mick what, says, what, just to leave you with this thought, he says, Cork Airport are desperately short of ground staff and baggage handlers. Uh, Cork Airport, last week on one day, they should have had 21 on duty but only 8 staff on the ramp. It's down to lousy pay and unsocial hours. That's the big issue with Irish airports. That kind of sums well, it I up. Think in the, in, I, think, I think, Neil, there's a, the, the airline or the airport in Cork is a very well-run airport. The staff are well, are well paid. There is an issue with unsocial hours, absolutely. But the bottom line here is, I suppose, the, the Dublin Airport Authority misread this weekend and it shouldn't have happened and it needs to be re- we need to ensure that it never happens again and how That's are you going to do that what's going to be said at this meeting it could be well, as think, early as tomorrow well I think, well, I think the, the, what's going to have to be said is three things one you need to put in place a proper mechanism in terms of staff two you need to accelerate staff training of the new people that have been recruited and then thirdly you must work with airlines to ensure that the schedule the schedule is not just kind of you know Dublin centric or also the schedule is over us, is, 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 is shut between, we'd say, 7 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning. You're going to ask Generally them what they pay at- people, what their terms and conditions will be asking that? Absolutely. We've done it before and we'll do it again. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's an important point that, that, that the people who are employed are paid properly, are given, not just told you'll be on call or you may be called in, but they're given certainty around the job security in terms of pay and conditions and time. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Senator. Thanks for taking the call. Senator Jerry Buttermer. It'll be an interesting week ahead. Text 0868104106. We're back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Okay, some time out time now just for a few minutes and back to calls. Can I just also say that James Blunt plays the uh, NEC, the INEC in Glen Eagles in 
in Killarney and uh, we've got tickets to give away for that across the week. Going to give away some double pairs across the week for the INEC gig. It's on the 10th of June, which makes it Friday week. If you're a James Blunt fan, he brings his stars beneath my feet tour to Glen Eagle INEC and you can book directly yourself on their own website or win tickets here. So I'll tell you what I'll do this morning, this morning. We'll have a James Blunt song sometime between now and midday today and we'll open the phone lines and we'll give away uh, tickets for that. Now, uh, a lot of travel issues and I'll come back to them, but I've never seen as big a response in a long time to what Richard Quest had to say, the man from CNN about Cork City. By and large now, it was a very, it was a very quick trip actually. He didn't see much. Uh, was interviewing the Taoiseach, apparently, and the Taoiseach said, you know, go down to Cork and visit the English market. So I think he probably found that charming enough, but he had a lot of other criticism about the rest of the city. I don't see much of his criticism. I was in there on Thursday afternoon on a lovely, warm, dry, reasonably sunny day, and there was a great buzz around. Uh, imagine the Taoiseach invited a journalist to see his home county. The place is a kip. There was a time when Cork was a proud city, capital of culture and all that. Now it's the capital of assaults, begging and dereliction. That's some city to invite anyone to. At least, I think, Richard Quest sugarcoated it. Uh, another one, Cork is charming, cultured and is a lovely collection of infrastructures from generations past and present. Not everything you know needs to be shiny, symmetrical and new to express beauty. What a fabulous text. I drive in the lower road and along Horgan's Quay most mornings. There are weeds growing out of the walls that have been dealt with for ages. Many businesses do little or nothing to keep their shop fronts clean and attractive anymore. I've recently been to Germany. The place is immaculate. Just look down the road to see how they did it right in Killarney. Another one, I feel sorry for the tourists. I saw a bunch of them standing outside the tourist centre on Patrick Street on Saturday, confused. Why? It was closed. Very few shops worthwhile shops in the city centre other than Pennies or Opera Lane. Then again, they have those same shops in Mahan or Wilton without ridiculous parking. Um, half the buildings are falling down, Neil, around the place. Patrick Street is littered with empty shop fronts. It's a dump. Wouldn't want anyone to go near the place. There's reams of these. Places a kip, too many shops closed, empty derelict buildings attracting anti-social behaviour. Something needs to change or else it's going to get worse. It certainly wouldn't attract tourists. It's a disgrace. He's right. Cork City looks awful. It's run down and tatty. Maybe if the council lowered the rent in town, I bet it would thrive and be booming again. Well, it's people who own the buildings control the rent in town. Um, maybe it's rates you're talking about or, you know, public insurance liabilities or VAT or uh, tax or issues like that. Cork is waiting to return to its former greatness. That's all. Those buildings are in the spine of the medieval city and they need to be renovated. They're supported now, and as soon as the council can get around to it, they will be renewed. They're supported with uh, iron beams. Tatter you not, Cork is still a tourist destination. It's a rich city on all the world trade routes. It rivaled Dublin's prosperity. It was the slaughterhouse of Ireland and rose from a fisherman's cot, like like Rome rose from a mud hut, and Venice came up from the silt. A tatty holiday destination the world comes back to over and over again. That journalist should have spoken to some of the people. I, for one, would have put him straight. Uh, the city's a kip. It's been on steady decline for years. And there's more and more dithering and failure to act for decades over unused property all over the country, never mind Cork. The vacant property tax should have been brought in years ago. And landlords should be required to maintain their buildings like in other countries, regardless of use or vacancy. We should have a use em or lose em law. 
The city centre is very tired, no paving stones. The lighting will hide that above ground. Uh, it's just reams of these. Tired is a compliment. The city is dying. More and more empty buildings that are just being left to rot. And if you think that's all of them, it's not. There's lots more besides. So um, see if you can find some more of the more positive ones if possible. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Another stabbing I see at the weekend. Colleen's house on Sunday morning. Man treated for stab wounds before being taken by ambulance to Cork University Hospital. Man arrested in the hours of Sunday morning and charged in relation to the stabbing incident. A man in his 20s will be in court this morning. Just one or two more and I will go back to cause. Whatever about the city being run down, uh, the Corkonians are amongst the best people you'll find anywhere in the world. So there's a positive one. All the old buildings are going to rack and ruin. Such a shame. Cork was a beautiful city. Pity, pity me all, Martin. Doesn't look after his own city. It's like a patchwork quilt at the moment. Some parts are fantastic. Others are dire and run down. Add in the poor homeless dotted along Patrick Street and the city isn't what you'd call appealing for tourists right now. Uh, another person says City Hall are concentrating so much on the development of the Keys and the Marina they've forgotten about the city centre. I bet none of them have walked the streets day or night and seen the state of it. And one final one, the city centre, especially Patrick Street, being the main one, has been left to go. It's a shame to see a big building like Roach's Stores used to be in and going down more than half Mailer Street just sitting there empty. The Savoy, empty. The building next to it where Quills were, empty. Duns, the anchor tenant of Merchants Key Shopping Centre, empty. As a number of the units in there, including where Peter Marks and Kylemore Restaurant was. Uh, also North Main Street, shabby. It's sad to see, not to mention the lack of a public toilet. I love Cork. There are many beautiful spots in it, but the main big shopping street? Nah, it's a shadow of what it used to be. I think the cost of rates and rent for businesses doesn't help, or the cost of parking. Merchants Key Car Park is €3.20 an hour. Come on. Remember when Roach's stores were still there? Friday evenings after 6pm until 9pm was free. 3.20 an hour, mother of God. Go into the second hour if you wanted to just stay in there in the city for a few hours. You want to be setting aside a right... I suppose you want to be setting aside a tenner anyway, wouldn't you? Maybe 12 euro for parking, that kind of thing. Anyway, text 0868104106 and we'll come back to it. Just with regards to travel and transport and flying... It's an interesting text. My brother works in Cork Airport as security and is often called up to Dublin to cover with his colleagues. Here's why they are now all refusing to go to Dublin from Cork Airport to help. Passengers have bitten them. Passengers have spat on them, hit them, thrown objects at them. DAA have hired nearly 100 new loading security staff and all have been told to learn from their colleagues on the job. There's zero training. The DAA management need to be overhauled. Yet again, Ireland's becoming an international laughing stock. Could you imagine that? Bitten, spat at, hit, objects thrown at them. Um, working at security, going through the security gates and I suppose going through the conveyor belts and going through the x-ray and all that kind of thing. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Paul, good morning. Thank you for holding. You hear me Hi, all right? How are you? Okay, good. Now we pick up on Tui, is it? Yeah, so um, we booked with Tui there last year, back last September, um, to go to Dalaman. And we only booked with Tui because uh, in Turkey, okay. the resort in Turkey. Right. And we were staying in Marmaris. But we only booked it because of COVID and that. And, you know, peace of mind that if it was cancelled or anything, or if the travel restrictions were still in place, we'd get our money back rather than booking with Ryanair, one of those, and they still fly. We don't go, we don't get our money back. Mm. 
Um, but then back in March, then they decided, no, we're not operating it. Um, now, I've been on to them in the meantime before that, and, you know, saying, you know, why haven't you an airline up? Why like, are we flying with? You know, can we book our exit seats, blah, blah, blah. And they were telling us, oh, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. So I ended up finding out anyway in the long run that um, they were cancelling it. So I had to ring Dewey and Wilton and tell them that they were cancelling it. And they were like, oh, no, we're not. I was like, yes, you are. So I was a week on the phone to Dewey and Wilton trying to get either A, an alternative sorted, or our money back. People will remember um, Tui because before they were Tui, they were Falcon in Ireland and they were right, Thompson right, yeah, in the UK. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They budget um, as well, yeah. They, they bought like, up all of those yeah. businesses, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but we ended up, anyway, like they, they changed our flights to fly with Ryanair the day beforehand, which was fine. Didn't mind that. We were still getting their same price. Um, but they never included cabin bags or nothing for us. So, like, I was back and forth with Tui and Wilson trying to get our cabin bags added on that we had originally paid for in our original booking. Yeah. Um, and they still wouldn't pay for us. So now I literally have a small claims court. Um, have you? Which I have won. There is a special yeah, EU small, yeah. piece of legislation, isn't there? That's correct. Yeah, there, there's the Package Holiday Act, um, which was amended in 2019. So basically, if an airline or travel agent, well, travel agent with package holidays, if they cancel their holiday, they have to match it um, with our greater... Um, to know so like if you're booking totally. a four star hotel they have to match a four star yeah, if you pa- and if you've star. paid for bags you need to be provided bags yeah yeah so um, yeah so like I literally went up to Wilson and all on the Saturday and I sat there and I was like why aren't you doing it and they were like oh we don't have to I was like here's the law and I was literally told by the assistant manager in Wilson you don't know what you're on about you don't know what you're on about I've been on to the law department they said no we don't have to do it uh, if you want to book them on you pay for it yourself even um, though you so had already paid through TUI for the baggage, had you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah. our original booking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Um, have you won like, that I claim? I have, yeah, because um, when I got onto the CCPC for advice, and they said no, they were like, you know, get onto the small claims register, small claims court. Very simple to do online. Like, you know, I'd recommend a lot of people to do it. Right. Um, you know, these companies can't be getting away with things like this. Um, but they sent a registered letter. The court sent a registered letter to TUI, and they ignored it. So basically, by default, I have won. You know, so now it's a case of a judgment has been sent to Dewey to recover the money, uh, which I'm sure they won't send. So um, yeah, it'll be a fight, but you know, I'm going to do it all the way out of pure principle. So the money. How much are you talking about money. there? As a matter of principle, it's it's only 104 euros. Yeah, well, you know, it's a lot you of 104 know, euros um, out like there. Yeah, it, like for, for people in Cork, like they were literally sending at the airport, having holidays booked, off work, all that kind of stuff, and to be told. Do you know, at the end of the day, it's not it's not the fault of the airport staff. You know, they're only like the agents for, Tui, you know, operating, you know, for them. But um, yeah, no, I just think Tui have literally burnt bridges in Ireland. You know, and there was the same. There was a lot of issues out of Dublin as well to Greece, flights cancelled and. Got a text here, it's interesting. Security officer says to me that the reason for queues in Dublin is because they are short security staff. No one is taking up the positions as they're only being offered short-term contracts, like, say, for instance, 20 hours a week. Why would you want to work a 20-hour week when you're looking for 37 hours a week? For 14 euros an hour. You see what I'm saying? 14 euros an hour working nights and everything. And then you have all the older staff now that are on overtime. And they're getting double the money to what somebody starting off is getting. So that's very unfair. Yeah, there's way so too much employment being done in this country on the cheap. I can tell you that, Paul. Would you agree with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well absolutely. done for standing your ground, pal. Fair play to you. I hope you get the oh, hundred yeah, four yeah, euro. All, the way. all right. Cheers absolutely. for now. Charity. Thanks, all right. Neil. Take care again. Passing it on to charity. Good man yourself. We, we were delayed in security a few weeks back and missed our flight, and there wasn't a two-year rep to be found that would help. Cost a small fortune to get new flights and rent a car from Dublin back to Cork and a toddler in tow 
I won't fly with them again, says Cathy. Claire says, absolutely shocking. People taking time off work, organizing loans to go on holidays. The compensation should be immediate. And Callie says, disgrace. How do you explain to a poor child that they can't go on holidays? I feel so sorry for all those people out of Cork Airport with their cancelled flight at the weekend. Meanwhile, back to the phone lines. Vince, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? We all know because of the McCroom bypass, and I know it because I go through it pretty much almost every weekend. It's getting there slowly but surely. It's got to be incredible, but expect delays going through McCroom big time, right? Correct. And funny thing, I made a point, like yourself, I go to Kerry regularly. You're not on speakerphone, are you, Vince? I am indeed. Off you come, pal. Off Off you come. Thank you. Uh, The... uh, the the point I was making on Friday last was uh, you would never ever actually see a guard or operation free flow as they call it, ever in twenty years I've never seen a guard or a guard the core trying to help the traffic through the town. Of not Macron, not really you know? need not really needed. It just snakes through it very slowly. You know, a guard would be only in the yeah, way. I would I, humbly suggest. Anyway, I was coming back on Friday around two o'clock. And it was a much longer queue getting into McCroom than normal. Three miles of it, you think? Three miles, I think you said. It was was two or three miles back beyond the um, McCroom graveyard, the old triangle, as they call it. Yeah. And we eventually got there, and I had to stop for a cup of tea or coffee. And suddenly a guy said to me, what's it all about today? Oh, he said, the big man is in town. Leo Varadkar was over in the Castle Hotel with an entourage, you would not believe it. Did you see the entourage? Yeah. Squad cars, plain clothes guardy, detectives. (laughs) I counted at least, there were some of them I knew, faces I knew from the city, but a lot of them were Dublin-based. I'd say you were looking at 40 to 50 to 60 plain clothes people. I came across having a cup of coffee and a big burly guard goes, you can't walk on the street there, he says. <laughs> Pushing people aside. The next thing, the man himself walks out, waves his hands and get in, gets into a BMW. <laughs> this is why there was a big delay in traffic. But imagine the numbers of people around a Thornister. I've never One. seen a bit of it in my whole life. 40 you to know, 60. No, th- that would have been, that wouldn't all been guards or detectives. Like They could have been a lot of... All, th- th- they're, they all on. have these badges on them. They, they guard the badge. They're in suits, all of them. The guy that pushed me aside was. But were you physically pu- Were you physically pushed? Oh yeah, he just pushed me. He said, "You can't walk down there." And I said, "Why not?" He said, "The tarnished is coming out." <laughs> uh, and I said, "What? What about if I want to ask him a question about the health service?" And he said, "You won't be asking him any questions." He said, "You know." I said, "I'd like to ask him a question." No. And I, then I proceeded to say, normally when a leader comes to a small town, mid-car town like McCroom, they go for a little bit of a walkabout. That seems to be gone as well. So, What was he doing the McCroom, the incidentally? Does anybody know? He went up to the Milk Street, Noel C. Duggan, Green Glens thing. And because where there's, isn't there Ukrainian refugees there? 300 Ukrainians. Okay. I'd love to know what Noel C. Duggan is getting a week on that. Uh, well, handy, Dosh, but it's not, it's not a charity at the same time. So why, but so it's then, amazing. What, what amazes me about the whole thing, you then have a whole media, host, people with laptops and microphones. You have, I'd say, running around them, there was to be 
well over 100 people. And he just waves his hands into the BMW. Nobody asks a question, speaks to nobody and go, goes away. It really beggars belief how out of touch that, like, that this is a leader in a government. That he is so far removed from reality and the public. Like, in my opinion, any politician, whether you're a TD or whatever, you should actually go around and meet the public on a Saturday morning, which they always did, in a shopping centre. Yeah, they'd be slow enough. Yeah, I know, maybe in a clinic scenario or something, but they'd be slow enough to stop on the street, you know? They really would, like, anything but why, could happen. why all of a sudden, uh, Michal Martin and all of them, they think they're going to be attacked? Who's going to attack them? Well, that's Nobody true, Nobody will attack them. They'll yeah. ask them, they'll ask them, they'll ask a civilised question like I was going uh, to they're ask. Bound to get ha- they're bound to get heckled. I mean, you wouldn't, you'd have, you'd have a civil, civil tongue in your head, but not everybody would. I mean, he's been, Varadkar got, got awful um, homophobic abuse, people shouting and roaring at him, he got attacked with a smoothie before. Uh, you know, he gets he yeah. gets a lot of grief. But what my point is that these guys, if you look at the Fine Gael organisation of McCroom, they must be really embarrassed by, like, the, the performance of the government. Let's just take a look at the past week alone. And no media person will come on on this. Look at the hospitals. 15 hours for a 70, for 75 years of age plus. 28 hours. hours 28, 28 hours for 75 plus. 28 hours. Look at the, uh, the, the, the airport crisis. Uh, the queues. Look at the passports. One of the most basic, simple things. They can't even get a passport out. The aut- in the past week as well, aut- autis- aut- the autistic children, they want to put them, segregate them from the main schools. Mm. You look at even in the past six or seven days, this is the most shambolic yeah. government I have ever seen in my whole life. Do you know life. what? You couldn't be f- you, you're yeah. spot on. Texter says, my son is in a special autism class in McCroom. His class tried to meet Leo Varadkar in McCroom on Friday, but he wouldn't meet them even to just say hello. Um, that's my very point that, and that man is 100% he doesn't want to even speak or and meet t- the public and tell me Michael Creed and all these all these people around McCroom do you know what it is bottom line they're in power too long not for we much longer though an election. not for much longer we need an election I have one great suggestion for the people of Cork city and county 21st day of August you'll have an opportunity in Bill of Law Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar will be speaking there we can now organise all the different groups to uh, have a protest on that day. Uh, whether it's mental health services, health services, and housing, Where will that protest autism. be? In Bielablaw. Yeah, but that, would sully, that would sully the memory of the big fella then. It wouldn't. It would highlight with you have a, a dual opportunity of Connacht and, and uh, Taoiseach and Connacht there on the same day. These are the issues. Cork is the second biggest city in all Ireland. Right. Okay. The biggest just, county in Ireland. Let me like, just get, let me just get back. So, okay, you, you said the, that you the, witnessed with your own eyes in the, in the middle of McCroom, the tarnished there, with a massive entourage of up to 40 to you, 60. Uh, there was ga- guards everywhere in plain clothes, suits, this, that, the other. They're all in Lo- unmarked cars. Okay. They're everywhere. They're all over the place. And is, you know, would, would this be would this be happening everywhere? Was this happening everywhere? Varadkar goes. Does this happen everywhere? Michal Martin goes. That our our Garda Shikana are being misused like this. Totally, totally. It, it was highlighted recently with with Michal Martin. They also went into the swimming pool and went around the swimming pool inside in the Castle Hotel. Checked all the back of the hotel, the whole lot. This thing is going to be a bit. Oh, there's a joke. big security sweeps of every building they go into. Is there? 
of a tiny country of 5 million people. It's like the we CIA or the FBI, people. isn't it? A SWAT team you going know, in like advance. This thing, this, thing, this thing has gone way, this has gone way over the top. You know, if you're a politician, you go out and meet the people and listen to the concerns of the people on a weekly basis. I'm really sorry I didn't go into politics myself a long, long time ago. Okay, well, because I'm, glad, I'm, all, you know, I'm glad you were like, eyes and ears there like, on the day. Yeah. But, but uh, you, you look at Leo Bracker, his latest uh, posting on Instagram, uh, his lunchbox is ready for the week. Who, who the bloody hell is interested in Leo Varadkar's lunchboxes? Did he show like, us? Did he show us his lunch? Is that he, he makes his lunch in he advance? Should, he opened the fridge door and took a photograph of all the plastic boxes inside it. Like, who is interested in this? Crap. But maybe I he wants to show city. that he's like all the rest of us. You see that he can get down with the with the real people. No? no, no. I think it's just all these Instagram kids. They probably love it. The twenty somethings love it. I don't know what it is. I have no but interest. I, in, I have no interest in, in, in uh, Leah Varadkar's fridge. I grew up. I grew up in a Finnegale house, and I tell you one thing: Leah Varadkar is an embarrassment to Finnegale. He's an absolute. He's the worst leader they've ever had. He's at 18% on the polls. He has zero communication skills, which I uh, saw for myself at Peter Barry's funeral, where he wouldn't even say hello. All right, but you what know, about, he yeah, motion, I, I, you know, he's, he's he reticent, though. Maybe skills. he's not sure of, you know, like, he's certainly a little reticent when it comes to the media because he just doesn't know what way but the conversations I, are going to go with I people. He's not comfortable. Think, yeah, I do think the media have given him a very soft uh, okay. time. I know for a fact from somebody working in Clareborn who finishes up tonight that all the questions on Clareborn, he knows the questions before he goes on air. And this is normal now that uh, you have to see the questions that they're asking before uh, that's, they're, they're asking. That's regular enough, yeah. though. I mean, I get that kind of stuff and advance them as well. They would always say things like, is there any chance you give us an idea of the question? So I, I usually just give kind of a vague enough idea as to how the conversation will go. Um, but uh, I've never been asked. There was one I've never very, been asked to stray from good, a list. Yeah. yeah, there was one very good interview you did. On, it's up on YouTube where you really put uh, him through the the fryer and the grill. Was Enda Kenny? Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. you really gave him a hard time. Uh, yeah, but, but he I was well able for it. I think you know. He was, but but I think you need a lot more of that where they're where they're grilled. And okay. You okay. need a lot more proper media. Like, what media person was going to tell you the story I just told about Leo Varadkar McCroom? Well, you will no, always have, I mean, you will always have a big entourage of press following, uh, he's a Taoiseach and waiting, to be honest with you, you know, depending on what happens with the criminal yeah. investigation. But, yeah. but they, because they, they just will. They're just assigned to follow the Taoiseach. They're assigned to follow the Tarnished. They're probably assigned to follow Coveney, you know? Like, it's all very yeah. well to be saying that Fina Gale are on free fall. Have a look at Fina Fall. They're in serious free fall. 15% now is against Sinn Féin of 36% support. 15 for Fianna Fáil. That's because on the ground, Fianna Fáil are lost. Fianna Fáil under Leo Varadkar are considered a very elitist, upper-middle-class party of wealthy farmers, business people, and the upper-middle-class. And that's the way Leo Varadkar has taken Fianna you can also take Fine Gael another route of social social justice like Gareth Fitzgerald did, and you could take it on a, a much more working class vote. He has taken the party to an upper middle class way. He doesn't give a damn about waiting lists and hospitals. Leo Varadkar couldn't give a damn. He has 
out of touch with reality. What we need now, as you said, is Taoiseach and waiting. Taoiseach and waiting, no way. He's under a criminal investigation. They got 34 seats in the last election. What's needed now, between now and October, is an election. Mm, okay. And it's up to the opposition. Okay. It's up to the, to the opposition now and independents to start turning up the heat on people. Like, Donnelly was inside my next door neighbours here in CUH the other day, and he said, it's unacceptable, the queues... He's the bloody minister. Yeah, he had another wrong What are you going to do about it? Oh, did he? Was there a big you know? crew with him as well, waltzing around? There was another hundred and between HSC and... You'd think we were the United States of America the way these entourage are going around. Yeah, Nobody has me Martin over minding him every day. Depressing. How many guard they are over there minding him? Where? It's an absolute waste of money over in uh, Torres Cross or Ballon Lock. There's, there's, one squad, guard, there's one squad car there 24-7. That would be... I, this, I heard there were 15 guards minding per day. 15 a day. That's what I... The latest word. 15 a day. <laughs> that couldn't you be know? right, sir. A shift is eight hours. Yeah, but I, well, I, I, I was, there, there, oh, when you only see one car, I think there's three in actual fact. There's one unmarked and two squad cars when you actually go into the estate as well. I, so I walk go, past, I walk past it. There's one squad. I walk past it. No, I see the squad car. No, you go inside to the house and there's also an unmarked car in there daily. He asked for all this. He asked all right, for all this. Okay. He, he, they, they, like they said there were, that they, they're, it was like if they walked the streets, their lives were in danger. Go Maybe on, go on, covered a lot yeah. of ground. Stay in touch. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, Thanks for what you saw. Take Appreciate care. it. Sinn Féin have, have achieved another record level of support. And I have no skin in the game in this in any way, shape or form. But the reasons behind it, according to the Sunday Business Post yesterday, that shows Sinn Féin with 36% support, 20% for Fianna Gael, 15% for Fianna Fáil. So if there was a general election and nothing changed, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael would need the Greens and Independents and all sorts of others um, to beat Sinn Féin on their own. Sinn Féin could put forward an awful lot more candidates and do a deal with Independents and they'd be in government next election. But why? Well, according to the Red Sea poll, there is strong public support to pursue a policy of reducing by law house prices. There's also public backing for a ban on short-term letting of entire homes in rent pressure zones on platforms such as Airbnb. Now, everybody's caught on to that story, but about two months ago, Tripen Drusheen in Cork first broke that story and everybody's saying, that can't be true, that can't be accurate, that all the properties are now for rent on Airbnb for short term. But of course, you know, Tripen Drusheen were absolutely right, they are. Um, Sinn Féin now is dominant amongst the younger and middle-aged voters. So it's not just 18 to 24s now. No, sorry, it's a lot older than that, younger and middle-aged. And one or two of the other reasons, apparently, nearly 85% of people surveyed said that first-time buyers should be allowed to borrow more than the three-and-a-half times salary if they can show they have a good history of high rental payments. Why shouldn't you be able to borrow more? Why shouldn't you? Like, why shouldn't you have to... Why should you have a deposit at all that precludes so many people? If you're capable of paying 15, 16, 1800 a month in rent for years... She'd be a perfect candidate for a mortgage. There's also public support for a vacant home tax. Just tax them if they're empty. And they also want a reduction in house prices, as I say. And interestingly, small landlords to be given more favourable tax treatment on rental income in exchange for an actual working rental cap. So these are all the things that people want doing. Don't care which political party does it. They just want it done. 
The Neil Prendeville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. You can text 0868104106. Another business. I want to chat with Amy, who's been waiting an age. I do appreciate it. She's got tough times going on at the moment. Amy, good morning. Good morning, you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Now, just as a backstory to this, you've lived and worked in Cork 11 years. You have a small family. Young kids, or what's the story there? I have a, a young boy. He's just about a year old, yeah. yeah. Okay. Is it just the two of you, or is there more than two of you? Uh, there's a partner. We so are three. Three. Two and um, you have moved into a camper van now. Yeah. Why? It is quite bizarre. I'm going to tell you this story because um, I have I've been living in Cork 11 years, like you mentioned before, and the the situation with like the housing crisis has always been on. This is not a new thing, isn't it? I have moved a couple of times, a lot of times actually, since I since I do live in Ireland. I've always lived in Cork, by the way, love it. But um, look, this is now the situation over the, I can't really put my finger down and what kind of changed, but when before people would have difficulty buying a house, like you mentioned just now, um, now there's a crisis um, in terms of availability for yeah. renting a house. Yeah. Like, if you would look on DAF right now, you you would have ads online for like a minute, maybe five minutes, barely a day. And they have thousands of views on it. I can't even, I would like to know the statistics of DAF or of letting agencies of how many requests they get per ad. And, and also maybe understand of why there is such a decrease in availability of lettings just right now. Can't so if we, if we were like to do some research and look at DAF, would we be able to see when we look at a DAF rental advert, the amount of people who've also looked at it? You can see how many views an advertisement has, yeah, but you wouldn't, like, it's very difficult to get a really proper statistic on it because you need to know how long it was online. Okay, okay. So you have been looking to try and, how did you find yourself without a home? Was it that the landlord took it back or or what? So the story goes like this. I, we, um, when I was pregnant, me and my partner, we didn't live together before, so we were looking to rent a house. We found a lovely home in Douglas. And we rented it. And after just one year, landlord told us, look, they're going to sell the house by the end of the year 2021. And we had to move out. So we moved out by end of October last year. And then it was like Christmas time coming. And we thought that the rental market wasn't great at that time. And I thought it's probably just because of the the holidays coming up and stuff like that. You know, Christmas is approaching. It's the end of year. It's winter. Who's moving? And this time, mm. so we actually didn't really have any other choice. So we went to my partner's Brazilian. We went to Brazil to visit his family. My little one could meet the grandma and all of that was lovely. Mm. And then um, when we came back, um, a friend of mine was, was, was happy to help because it's difficult to find, um, you know, to rent something while you're still abroad because you can't do viewings and everything. Mm. And my friend had, um, that was also living abroad for some time because of pandemic issues. His house was empty. He was like, why don't you move in there? for like a month or two, and then you try to find something while you're back here. Makes mm. it much easier. Mm. Lovely stuff. So we came back. We had this temporary accommodation from a friend of mine. And then I came back and, it, and I realized that we're, like, this situation is a full-on catastrophe right now. We were unable to even get a viewing. You don't get a viewing. Like, I have, I have, my, my, I have my alerts up on, like, on my phone, and I'm like a talk over it and I'm responding to every new ad that comes online I have been widening the radius of how, how you know the distance from Cork because I was like okay apparently Cork City isn't possible you know 
And then um, I've been looking in County Kerry, Limerick, Waterford, basically the, the whole south of Ireland. Did you, go back, did you go back to Germany for a spell? No, no, Was it Brazil, we went to you Brazil. Said? Yeah, because it says here, we went to Germany so our parents could spend time with the child. It's, it's Brazil you went to. No, I just thought you made yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. two trips overseas. But anyway, so did you actually get any viewing at all? So from, I, I have scanned through my emails. I must have sent hundreds, at least 300. Um, I have responded over the course of three months to at least 300 ads, maybe more. I, we had less than 10 viewings. I think it was eight. That is over the course of three months. And from I, these eight viewings, we didn't receive, like you, after you had the viewing, you sent your application to the agency and they handed it to the landlord and the landlord picks whoever they think is most suitable. And, um, well, we didn't, we, we were not chosen from any of the landlords. And how did you find the, 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 what was the rent roll like? Was it, did you find it expensive what they were looking for? Yeah, it is expensive, but you know, that's the other thing. I've up, upped my, my radius of how far I'm far away from Cork I'm looking for a letting, and I've also upped my budget in, as in like would spend more than like almost half of my salary on rent, which is insane. And even with that, I still didn't stand a chance. So now I, the end of our temporary contract for my friend's house was approaching, and I was like, I have to find a solution. I have a child. What are we going to do? I couldn't find Airbnb, by the way, Airbnb prices for like a monthly let. You pay like two, three K per month. That's insane. Mm. And four, I found one for four K. Besides, then all the hotels are full. Not even nothing. There's no accommodation that you could like any other accommodation. And then I was like, okay, it's going to be a camper van. Okay, so there and, I went, and I come, I come I to that part. Van. But you're earning good money. <laughs> you have a good job. Both of you work. It's I not work, a money I issue. I really good work. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I work for for a company, a cybersecurity company. Um, I work from home. I am a sales rep. I'm doing well. I have a I, I have a decent income. It has never it has never when been an issue. When you were looking online and trying to search out somewhere to live and to rent, did you come across any scams? There are some scams out there, yeah. But you, after having looked at so many ads, you kind of you kind of know which is a scam and which not. <laughs> I tell you something, <laughs> you people are being people are being yeah. You might have the kudos to cop a scam, but not everybody does. I had somebody who I, I, I was sent one last week by somebody who sent me this lengthy back and forth they had with this supposed house owner who's in Denmark or something like that. Oh, okay. I, I'll go through it tomorrow. I'll, I'll drag it out and, and tell people the story about it tomorrow. But this person wasn't even sure if it was a scam and it was screaming scam. You pay us yeah. the money, pay it to us through TripAdvisor. They'll hold the oh, money. Geez. Then we'll send you the keys. It was so obviously a scam. That's the kind yeah. of stuff that people have to wade through as well. So you then um, recently took out a bank loan to buy a van or a camper van, was it which? A camper van. Um, a lovely uh, a lovely person in Waterford had converted it. I found it on Dundee. I you- drove there. The, the minute it came online, I was like, um, this is the van for us. It's not too far away. We're going to go there. We're going to have a look at it. And if it's fine, we're going to get it. And because did you buy that like, camper van? I bought it. Was it expensive? A little bit. Pregnant pause. A little bit. Yeah, you know, like, how much was yeah. it? Twelve k. Wow. Yeah. You are desperate to find somewhere to live. Oh, where would we stay otherwise? I have a little child. Like, you know, like <laughs> it, it, it was that or a tent. I mean, are we that far? It's but you have to like. I don't it's think depressing. people understand how bizarre the situation is. Because where were you going to, where, 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 I mean, you, you stayed in it for a while. Where, where would you be parking it up and things like that? 
Well, there's Kemper Parkings. There's a Kemper Parking, a lovely one in Blarney. There's another one down in Kirk Twohill. There's not many, but a couple of them around the city, you know, a little bit far out. Okay. But you would hook them up to electricity. You have your laundry, your showers and everything there. But I actually, um, this was my last resort. I, it, and I, I just thought, look, we're, gonna, we're just going to make it work. And I can tell you this story as a feel-good story and, 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 and people on the radio that would be listening would be like, oh, look at her. She did the, made the best out of it. What a positive story. But And I, I can tell it like that too. Uh, but also, I think we really need to acknowledge how insane it is mm. that right now, everybody that is trying to rent anything and it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter um, how much you're earning, it doesn't matter if you're on the dole or not, it doesn't, not, nothing matters. The chances of you to find something to rent right now is almost impossible, mm. Mm. and 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 that that is that is bizarre. I, I I posted on Reddit, and people would respond to to my my little rant that I had there. It was like, Jesus, I have to move into a van. Can you believe it, people? And people are like, okay, yeah, and same here. We have to move to another country now because we couldn't find rent, and mm. I'm living on a boat because I couldn't find something to rent, and and I'm living in my car. In my car, and I'm. You know what? We have to be honest. The camper van is just the car. We would have been living in a car. It's just a little bit bigger than other ones. So, having spent this some nights in it and putting all of your belongings into storage, um, yeah. What happened next? Do you know what happened next? That is the update from yesterday. Yesterday, when I this yesterday was the final day that I could get our rest of stuff out of the house that we had lived in for two months that house that is owned by my friend and um, we were with the camper van down on the parking and we were just putting the last bits and pieces into the van ready to jump in and drive off and there's a guy walks over and was like hey are you the girl that um, is looking for housing and did you did you ask the other day one of the builders here about the construction going on and the, there was a house nearby where they were constructing and I asked one of them. You would ask anyone. Anyway. Yeah, yeah you would. I, would have, I was desperate. You have no idea. Yeah. And, um, and the guy was like, look, I am the owner of this house and my the builders had almost completed an apartment upstairs and do you know what? This is yours. You're going to move in there now. This is this is like a second before we are jumping into the van, driving off. Can you believe this? That's amazing. Is it a nice apartment? Is the rent good? Do you know what? It is expensive, like it is in Cork City. There's no question about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the rent is way too high for we, you know we like Cork. Is, I love Cork, and it's it's a, a second beautiful town. But like it it is not. I mean, it is not Berlin or New York or do you know what? You know what I mean. Yeah. So well, I'm not so sure we want it really to be like New York. We know the size of it. You know, we, we know. don't want it to be. Yeah. But you know what? Still, we shouldn't be paying that much rent. No. Oh, it's, it's completely insane. It's insane. It is insane. It's insane. So, so yeah, you, you manage. It's lovely. It's lovely. So anyway, this kind, is, yeah, this grateful. kind gesture, this man who owns the apartment is renting it to you now. Have you moved in? We have moved in yesterday. Wow. That, that minute. I was what just like, I'm not going to drive anywhere. So we're just going to bring all the stuff that I had just put into the van. We're going to put it into that. What are you going to do with the camper van now, Amy? So that's the thing. Um, I, I need to, I want to pay forward this kindness that was granted to me by shout out to Andrew and Anne that rented us this apartment here. Um, and I, I, I want to say two things. First thing is, Anybody listening, 
that has anything, uh, any house or apartment or even a room to rent, you have no idea how the situation is right now for people trying to find a place to live. We, we, I think we as a, a community or as the, the you know, the, the society here in Cork, this is the moment we need to come together. What Andrew and Anne did to kind of help us there, like we are looking kind of sad, jumping into the van, helping us out. Um, think about if there's any way that you can help. And I'm going to do the same. I have a camper van now. Um, I have no idea how it can help someone. But if anybody hears this and is in a similar situation like me, reach out to Neil um, from Red FM and and I and I, I try to figure something out how I can help. Um, it, it must be just a temporary solution. Obviously, it would have been for us. To, so you're offering uh, your camper van as a temporary solution to somebody or some people who might be struggling to find yeah. somewhere like you yeah. were. Easiest way, I would probably put it up, bring it up to the to the camping park up in Blarney or wherever it it would be suitable best. Uh, for whoever would needs it, would need it, park it up. It would be hooked up to electricity. You have your cooker inside. You have a, a small fridge. You would have shower and laundry facilities from the camp park. And, um, and but just just to be clear, you're, you're not you're not well. you're not offering it for rent. You're offering it as a generous gesture, is it? I would offer it to rent because you know what? I took out a loan for it. I have to pay that off. Um, I I can't otherwise I'd be bringing myself as well into a little. Oh bit no! Of I just wanted to you know, because I just I just need to know what you do is is your business. It. But I under, I understand. I just don't want people get, getting in touch with me saying is there a free camper van where I can live? <laughs> you know, yeah, isn't the case. What what would the rent be? I haven't thought about it. Can discuss it. It wouldn't be something crazy. It would be something something reasonable. Honestly, I just I just okay okay I th- I. This situation was, was would have been my situation if not. I understand. Um, it's about covering. It's about covering your yesterday. costs. Yeah, I'm so delighted things worked out for you. Uh, if anybody gets in touch, and I'm sure that they will, I'll just pass on your details. Is that okay? That's fine. Okay. 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 Delighted things worked out for you by the skin of your teeth. By the skin of my teeth, and I can't. I, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be the same for like everybody out there that is in a similar situation. Oh, I think there's an awful lot of people listening who are tearing their hair out answering ads on Daft. And there's few enough yeah. ads on Daft as it is, believe me. So few. Okay. Exactly. Delighted for you. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Amy. Thank if anybody you. comes back to me, I'll pass them on to you, all right? Please do. Bye. Take Please. care. I will never be with you. Bold boy, all the same though. I up some, I up some fellas, old doll, James Blunt, and you're beautiful. Well done, congratulations. Eileen O'Leary from Blarney wins our James Blunt tickets for today. We got more tomorrow and right across the week. And Mr. Blunt himself plays the INEC in Killarney Friday week. You can book tickets uh, directly on the INEC website or listen in tomorrow for your chance to win. This is the craziest thing. Caller just rang in quickly just to say, if someone is missing a phone, a mobile phone, when they get home, your kid might have thrown it out of the car window on the Southlink Road. lady who got in touch with us said she saw it happens, happen, but she doesn't think the driver was aware that a child threw a mobile phone out of a passing car window. Um, if you miss a phone when you get home, then it's somewhere on the South Link Road. I'll leave you with that. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.